Welcome back to Hot on the Presses. Where we're hot. And on the presses. I'm Sophie. And I'm Megan. Uh, and what the fuck is going on with Kanye West? Oh, wait, I haven't heard any of this. Um, <laughs> what is happening? Kanye West is currently... Okay, so there's a couple things. <laughs> First of all, he has dropped out of uh, Rolling Loud for the second consecutive year. Wow. Uh, and if you'll recall Coachella from earlier this year, he dropped out of that and was replaced by Kid Cudi as a headliner, who he is currently in some kind of, like, freak-ass feud with over, like, nothing as far as I okay. can tell. Um, guess who has replaced him as Rolling Loud headliner this time? Kid Cudi! It's our man, the Cudster himself. <laughs> uh, Cudster! So... He, <laughs> Rolling Loud co-founders Tariq Sharif and Matt Zingler say, we spent months working with him and his team on the performance. Unfortunately, Ye has decided that he will no longer be performing. Oh, so I, I think basically anybody could have foreseen this. I think there was really not much of a situation in which he successfully performed this festival. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of he seems like such a diva with stuff like this like if it's not to his specifications like he was probably trying to ask him if he could build another house on stage yeah it's like build a house on that ass um <laughs> it's like to me it almost feels like disingenuous on the part of the festival headliners the festival runners because like you know what he's like right like yeah I, I know that it's probably a huge draw to get him to headline your festival, but at the same time, like, he pulls out of so much, and he cops out on so much. These past couple of years, like, his output has been interesting, and his performances have been... Interesting. Uh, <laughs> something. So, I don't know, man. Like, it, it just feels like you're setting your, your ticket buyers up for disappointment. Yeah, definitely. And how, when is Rolling Loud? Uh, I think it's really soon. Mm. It is, uh, yeah, it's this weekend. It's Friday, oh. July 22nd. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. So shout out Cuddy for, for picking up what Kanye is putting down, I guess. But like, yeah. man, what? Okay. Um, I believe this marks the first time on this podcast that we are like discussing Kanye in any depth. Um, True, actually, yeah. Yeah, because we didn't talk about Donda 2 very intentionally because there's fucking nothing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, he's certainly a guy. He yeah. sure is the guy of all time. Yeah, uh, he's interesting. At least he's not stalking Kim Kardashian anymore. That's true. Is it, that is it. Uh, the restraining order seems to have worked. Um, poor Julia Fox who had to basically become, become Kim 2.0 for like a month oh my god uh, he's, he's such a character to watch and he also is he's an interesting figure in music because he's one of the people that I never want to have an opinion on 
like I actively avoid listening to listening to his music and like engaging with it because as a as a person who has like trouble with art versus artist and mm-hmm. doesn't like to listen to people who I'm morally opposed to, I don't like him as a yeah, person. Yeah, the thing about all. him is that he sucks. Yeah, and so it's like I don't really care how great his art is because he sucks and he kind of always has sucked. Um and he's always been erratic and it, it's just it, it feels like it's so predictable for him to be doing shit like this even to this day that I don't really feel like it's a it's valid and people are like just listen to the older stuff when he wasn't as weird. I'm like he's he's he, been the same guy. He's been the same guy since about 2017 if i'm remembering these release years right it's the one that he just called yay 2018 um i think that album is complete dick and balls and i think anybody (laughs) who i think people who like it are the people who are really bought into the mythology of of kanye yeah um like everything about that album, like the 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 problems people have with um the the one that is just like the blue jesus is king like the the christian one Mm -hmm. besides the christian shit like i don't that also is stupid as fuck but i don't really care about it like all the problems people had with like the rushed and thrown together sound of that album i had already had two years prior on this stupid fucking thing it's 20 minutes long It, it he took the picture that's on the album cover the same day the opening of the the album is called I Thought About Killing You, and he sounds like fucking Tentacion for five minutes. And on the last track, there's like a phone call from Nicki Minaj that takes up a huge part of it that's literally explaining her like ghostwriting half the some song for it. it's so bad. And I don't I just don't get it. Yeah, I yeah, I uh, I listened to that one on my uh, I just remembered this. I listened to that one on my ex-boyfriend's recommendation while playing Minecraft with him. The word and X, the word X is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence you just yeah. said. Yeah. And so it was like he he was like you should give him a try and I was like whatever. I'll do this if it like if it'll make you happy. <laughs> so I listened to it and this was like a, an immense sacrifice for me cuz I was like I hope you know that I'm I'm resigning my uh, <laughs> my my Kanye card to you. And uh, he was like, <laughs> just like, he's like, this is a really good album. Like, you'll really like it. And I was like, okay, I spoiler alert. I didn't really like it. And uh, I, first of all, I think that um, some of his choices on these songs are unique. I do like the song Ghost Town. I think that's a good track. But that's is that it. the one? Is that the one that has like that in? No, I'm thinking of all mine i think ghost town is the and nothing hurts anymore that one. Oh yeah 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 i like that track but i also uh listened to uh what's it called uh kids see ghosts for him yeah what do you think about that i did not like it at all i don't like it either um, um i think that it sounds really bare bones and kind of annoying and i also hate the track reborn is that the um, one where he's like rah, yeah, da, da, da. No, that's the one where he's like, I'm so, I'm so reborn. I'm moving forward. <laughs> and it's, it sounds like he's got paste in his mouth. Like he's so, <laughs> he's so like dead on the mic. And then everyone's like, this song made me cry. I'm like, 
do you listen to anything else? <laughs> I do love from Kids See Ghosts uh Fourth Dimension. Uh that is the one that samples the old uh Louis Prima song oh, for the beat, yes. and it's really, really creepy. Um the it's like oh yeah, 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 I do know that one. It's it's a really, really creepy track. I actually really, really love that song, but it's the only thing on the album that sounds like it. So I yeah. I'm that also looking I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Kids He Ghosts, and it does seem that Kurt Cobain is credited as a co-writer on Cuddy Montage, which I'm sure is there's a sample in there somewhere. Yeah. But uh that's just very funny to see. Kanye, the songwriter credits on the songs are Kanye West, Scott Miscuddy, Mike Dean, and Kurt Cobain. That is really funny. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, the main thing I remember from Ye, like the main thing that I took away from Ye is everything on All Mine uh, with the fucking hook where it's like uh, he rhymes uh, that ass busting out the bottom with crazy that medulla oblongata which is just it's so bad it's so bad it's really goofy um it it's not a good album uh and i say this as someone who likes kanye um i'm a huge life of pablo defender um and i like all the other albums obviously like i could name them but like i just like the rest of them but like there was definitely a turning point and he has really started to like I don't know. I'm not going to psychoanalyze this man uh, on this podcast because that's been done enough by enough people. Everything that you could possibly say about Kanye West has been said. You could Um, type in Kanye West in Apple Podcasts and find like half an hour of someone just psychoanalyzing him. I'm sure there's an entire podcast that's just psychoanalyzing (laughs) Kanye West. Like, I'm sure there's a Kanye West podcast that's just like keeping up on what he's doing. Definitely. Um, All right, so I actually have a second news item for you, and I have some unfortunate news for you about the news item. Uh Uh-oh. It's also about Kanye West. Oh! Uh, This is from Pitchfork.com, who seem to have broken the story first, aside Mm. from TMZ, because they break everything first. Mm -hmm. Kanye West sued for $7 million over... Any guesses? Uh... By by Los Angeles based company Phantom Labs for breach of contract. What 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 did he do? Oh, he dipped out of something. He didn't pay them. No. Uh, so alleging non payment for work on a his canceled Coachella performance. Of course. Uh, that insane free Larry Hoover benefit concert he did with Drake. What? Uh, yeah, it was it was announced like the week of it. There was like a whole diatribe on Donda about freeing Larry Hoover, who's like, um, he he's like a a, a, a Chicago gang member who's been imprisoned for like, uh, his sentence is two hundred years. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and there were there were uh allegations that he was like continuing to run the criminal enterprise from within the prison. Uh-huh. Um. But also there has been like a lot of prison abuse and suspect conditions within the prison that he's in. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was like a long uh, like message from his son uh, asking for his freedom because he's like 70 something years old now mm-hmm. um, on, on Donda. And I liked it on Donda. But so they did like a free Larry Hoover benefit concert. But there was issues with getting the money to the to the, the fund for it. 
and the merch mm. that said free Larry Hoover was like insanely expensive and Kanye mm. was half dead and Drake was the only one. It was like them squashing. It was a whole thing. Apparently he didn't pay the production company. He didn't Great. pay them for the Donda 2 listening event where he threw Ooh. the microphone. Like, yes, <laughs> apparently he just has not been paying this company for any of the things that have been happening over the last uh, however many years. So that's yeah. that's really interesting. Um, do you think that a company like Phantom Labs, which I know nothing about this company, would enter into this agreement expecting to have to do this in a few years? Honestly, I think that they probably were just stoked to do something for Kanye. Yeah. Because, like, most, I think a lot of production companies in LA kind of idolize him and, like, his uh, productions. So it's probably like, oh, this is going to be, like, a thing. We're going to be known for this. That's awesome. What an opportunity. And then next thing you know, you're blowing millions probably to build a fucking house inside of a stadium. <laughs> and then you don't and get then, paid. And then set it on fire and then build another one that looks exactly the same and hide exactly. Marilyn Manson and DaBaby inside of it. <laughs> probably kill some of your professional professional um, clout by doing some some not so great work on the mics and stuff like that you hide uh, you hide marilyn manson and DeBaby inside of it and then you also hide playboy cardi and some guy who hangs out with playboy cardi but doesn't actually do anything and is wearing his skeleton costume and just kind of walks around on the stage with him that was actually phoebe bridgers so <laughs> <laughs> ah, phoebe bridgers debuting her new hairstyle um <laughs> before we move on to our records for this week i do just want to shout out google.com for when i googled phantom labs kanye the second google result is labrador phantom pregnancy symptoms <laughs> uh and then the fourth google result is how to identify pure labrador puppy in hindi which i wow. don't know what that could even begin to mean <laughs> yeah that's a that's a hole to go down later yep all right, so in the interest Some, someone of, uh, alert the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> some some FBI agent was searching a lot for his puppy. Um, all right, let's see. In the interest of time, let's go on to our picks so that we can we can start discussing some music. Oh boy, oh boy, you want to go oh first boy, or shall oh I? Um, I think I want to I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Rosenstock. Okay, so uh, you 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 uh, you you want to announce? I can, yeah. So Sophie's pick for me this week, which sadly we had to skip over the picks last week because it was just too big of an episode. But uh, the picks for this week are uh, for me, Jeff Rosenstock with Worry. Nobody's home. Waste our energy on fucking assholes. <laughs> this was definitely um, a lot of fun. I was listening to it and I was jamming. My little, my little toesies were moving. Yeah. Um, my favorite tracks were We Beg to Explode, yes, Staring Out the Window at Your Old Apartment, I love Wave Good Night to Me, which I actually remembered you had played on a radio broadcast like months ago. I did. So that. I think that that gives me some friend points. It does, it uh, does. And I liked the medley at the end, except for the track Rainbow, which is the big ska moment. 
And uh, <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be this called back to later in the episode. But I, that was the moment that I was like, oh, I see where he went or where he was, I guess, previously. Yeah. Um, the crowd vocals didn't bother me too much, which normally is a gripe that I have with some punk. Um, and I like the instrumental work, uh, but at some points I thought the production was a little too clean. I could kind of see the ska poking through. Um, uh, I like my punk kind of grimy and raw. So yeah. at some points it was a little bit too fresh and like, okay, I'm, I'm taking in- notes on this and knowing I need to get you some really grimy ska. So that's what, that's what oh we have. Oh my God. Now. Okay. This is your, this is going to be your eternal crusade to, this is like my, eternal, this is my eternal crusade. I know I was joking in the first episode about, or not the first episode, but like giving you a King Gizzard album every week. But I, I'm just going to start flinging ska albums at you at Mach 5 until you admit to liking one. I'm just going to send you pictures of me crying every time. <laughs> yeah, so what a, is this one one that you have a lot of history with? Yeah, this is this is a really important album to me, honestly, because I I mentioned this when we talked about um, Soul Glow. Yes, uh, when we, we talked about them is that hardcore is a genre I have a really hard time with sometimes because I feel like it is very easy to phone in mm-hmm. and very easy to like rely on loudness without really including any sort of engaging element in it. And then standard pop punk is a genre I also have a lot of trouble with just because I feel like it leans on cliches and it can be very snotty and immature. And like, you know, like all the problems people tend to have as they grow out of pop punk when they get older. Yeah. Um, But then a lot of people like grow into hardcore and I feel like that never quite happened to me. So um, mid mid college, when I was like maybe eighteen or nineteen, I was living in fucking O House. Um, I Best was, place that on was, campus, baby. No, 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 no. It's a, it is that was like a fucking cardboard box. You're just living in way too close proximity. O House is a depression buddy. hole. I think that everybody there is a it, little bit sad. It's it sucks because if if you want to Google this building, it is Oglethorpe House at the this beautiful Savannah College of Art and Design. Um the building is really cute from the outside. And uh it, it it's a converted motel and if you you're living in it, it's a space that was definitely meant for either one person or two people to share a bed for a night and then get back on the road. Uh, yeah. But instead, they put two beds in it with no real bathroom, just like a, a toilet shower. The sink is outside of the bathroom. There's no closet. Uh, it's it's just like it's very, very small. Mm-hmm. It is very, very cramped. There's they have to fit two desks in there in addition to the two beds. So there's no walking room. Um, it's it's very, very it's it's depressing. Like it was it was hard to like get like shit done or like have like a lot of like a lot of a personal life going on you know because you can't really bring people over there Mm -hmm. um and so i was really like mad and i was trying to enjoy a lot of the pop punk of my youth and then i discovered pup and i discovered jeff and i never looked back because this this to me and i've said i said this when we covered um fucking uh the new pup album as well um this this style of punk doesn't it doesn't scan as pop punk at all to me like i know in my brain that it is pop and it is punk but it has the energy and the the 
the like the, the intensity of emotion. Yeah, and the ethos really, like the DIY ethos of a lot of hardcore punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they could share stages with hardcore punk bands, and I wouldn't bat an eye. But they are so focused on hooks and melody and like the sense of like almost togetherness and community that uh, a lot of pop punk like brings itself together on. Mm-hmm. Not that hardcore doesn't do that; it does. But it, it's just easier for me to get into something when there's a really, really strong hook to chant. You on. are a you are a hook a hook based person. I am a pop head at heart. It's 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 almost a little ridiculous how much a really strong hook will make me like anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the whole first side of this album is just bangers after bangers. Festival song makes me go insane. Pass rash makes me go crazy. Uh, Wave Goodnight to me makes me go crazy. Uh, and then when you flip the record and it's just like an Abbey Road style medley for the last 10 minutes of the album, it is just, it's so good. That part was really interesting to me. And I haven't like seen something done like that in a very long time. Um, it's, it's just cool the way that that happens. And, uh, it, it's very, it didn't need a ton of breathing room because it's, that's just the style of music. It doesn't need that because it's, it's supposed to be driving and it's supposed to push forward. So I think that it did a good job with that. Other when... than, of course, the ska portion, which kind of <laughs> took me out of it. If I'm gonna, if I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But uh, it was, uh, it was still nice. I enjoyed it. When, uh, when it does take a breather, like um, Pietro, sixty years old, it's, mm-hmm. it's very like, it is an abbreviated breather. Like it's very much, it's a breather and nothing else, and then it throws you right back into it. Yeah. And the, the the breathers are quite brief. They're very short. Yeah. Not that anything on this album is longer than like three and a half minutes, minutes yeah. but you know. Um yeah, this is this is one of my favorite punk albums. Um people talk a lot about um catharsis in hardcore. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier for me at least to like get that feeling out if I'm screaming along to something, some hook like, come on, come on, get out of here. Like it, it's, yeah. that's the most cathartic something could possibly be. For me, I'm really glad you like this. Yeah, I liked it. And I, I think that for me, the difference there is that when I listen to punk, I'm, I'm waiting for that. Like, I like it really wound up and for it to not let go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like when I'm listening to, to something like soul glow, that's hardcore. Um, I like that it's just like thrashing me and I don't really have much, uh, I don't really have much room to sing along because it's just so hard edged and fast. Um, cause I, I go to other genres to sing along, but for punk, I just like to be kind of in a tumble cycle. You know what I mean? Which this will give you for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I did, I liked the uh, intersection there. Yay. I think that sometimes we have, uh, we have intersections like these that work. A firm handshake. A firm handshake. And other times, like, like a later album. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we to not, it. We, we will get to it. There's so much foreshadowing we're doing yeah. on this episode. Oh my I god! Because I was, I it's, I was building so up to the to me listening to that album. Uh, I saved it for almost last. All right. <laughs> was that um, out of like? Was that out of anticipation or out of fear? Fear. Okay, that was a very fast answer. I respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Okay, Uh, now let's talk about the one that I gave you. 
Yeah, so uh, Megan gave me an album that is off-reference on this podcast, uh, yet I had never heard before. It was Masamihara with Four Times a Dream. Hell yeah. This is really interesting. Um, I so I I have given this album a lot of time because yeah. my first and you you said this was the case for you too. My first listen through of this was just like a head rush. Like what yeah. the fuck is going on here? Um, can I can I say something that you might take potentially as insulting? Yes. This album is the absolute purest distillation I can think of of the concept of scrimblo bimblo music. What is scrimblo bimblo music? It's Masamihara's Four Times a Dream. Uh, the 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 best example I can point to is uh, the Deepest of Nights, which yes. So like the little the the symbol the little like hand symbols on this album sound like the fucking the, you know in Toy Story three the little monkey with the symbols. Yes. That is what they sound like. And then there's like an an organ doing reggae chords behind it. There's an 80s drum machine happening. It's so fucky and off kilter. And like <laughs> really, it's just the whole album is so kooky. And that's, that's what I love about it. I absolutely 100% did not expect that from the way you've spoken about this album, from the cover of this album and the track titles, like The Deepest of Nights. To live in the sea, your dream. Yeah. My golden hour. And then it's like somebody like spinning one of those party noisemakers in my ear and farting and then telling me it's all gonna be okay. Um <laughs> dude, the um that the biggest example of the sort of just throwing shit at the wall has to be Futon Making. Yeah, um, I loved that song. Futon Making goes stupid. Yeah. But did you notice the woodpecker in the left channel? <laughs> yes, I did. I was yes. actually just gonna... This song feels like you're on a fucking mouse roller. Like the mouse roller. You Have you been on one of those like the mouse roller coasters at an amusement park? No. The ones that take like... Okay, I'll, I'll send you an image. Uh, mouse roller they're, they're, It's called... Oh, I guess I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a roller coaster buff, but this is called Wild Mouse or Crazy Mouse, and they have them at, like, every, like, smaller, lower-budget amusement park you'll ever go to. Like, okay. I'm thinking of uh, Rye Playland is the, the one that I used to go to as a kid in Rye, New York. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I have never yeah. seen anything like that. So the, the 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 primary draw of this is that it it really scurries around the track like it doesn't yeah. go it doesn't go very fast but it really like careens around those turns and it feels like you're a little mouse like rushing around the house or something. Okay. Um and that is what I felt like on this. Like I felt the G force of like twisting through <laughs> turns and there was like the woodpecker in my ear and the way the guitar was like pitch bent and filtered and so high in the mix. Like yeah. it, it was it is so bizarre. And um, the bass on that track, it like swashbuckles. It's yeah, so like it just bends around. It's so crunchy. The whole song is so crunchy. Um I also think his singing voice fits this kind of really, really demented pop song better than a more like formless experimental track that they have on the album. Yeah, um, like the opener. He, well, I like the opener. Um, 
but like on um Orion or the title track were the two where I was like, mm. okay, his voice is a bit of a grating element here. Like it's not the 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 melody isn't as strong a contributor to the feel of this track. Mm-hmm. So the the notes that he's singing can't make up for the chipmunk quality of the vocal, if mm. that makes any sense. Yeah, the vocals are definitely, whenever I show this to people, which I do show this to people, this is like one of the albums that I evangelize for, because I think that if it does click with you, it's like so, I have never in my life been able to find an album that's quite like this. Yeah, um, I've, I've never heard anything like this either. Um, yeah, it's insane. But uh, I, I think that, like, like on the title track, for me, I find that I kind of lose the vocals, and I'm more focused on... Okay, let me let me I'll I'll circle back losing, to that. But losing the vocals on the title track is going to be pretty difficult for me. Well, it's, I don't think it really matters. It's the title track, considering it's just like that's just like the peak of the dream. But yeah, um, for me, this album is interesting because of what you were saying about how weird the mixing and the layering is. Yeah, that like every time I listen to it, I can focus on another instrument the entire way through and have a completely different experience, and one that. Uh, like one instrument that this album made me really appreciate in a much deeper way than I had before is the bass because mm-hmm. when it comes in, it's um, funky and slappy. It is so funky. Like on the title track, it feels like it is skirting around a beat. It's not actually holding a rhythm or doing anything. You know what? It it's reminds so jarring. Me it's like that weird dance people do without really lifting up their feet where they like scoot the back of their foot and then the front of their foot in time with the rhythm, like in and out. Or it's like, or like Like the dance. No, it's like in the same vein as the dance people do with like their hands on their knees and it's like switching (laughs) knees. Oh, the Charlie, like Charlie Chaplin or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it it is. Like we'll put a Um, gif here. <laughs> he set the precedent with the Alex G ass gif last time. We just have to put a gif of someone dancing insanely in every single yeah. one now. That's our brand. But this uh, this album is... Uh, oh, another weird note is that this album, for some reason, someone at the Numero group has to like this album as much as me. Because they the did... the what? The Numero group. The, the, the label. I am not familiar, but okay. <laughs> really? Okay. Numero group is... Uh, they're like a very... It, they're one of my favorite labels because they have a knack for pulling out really insanely obscure albums and giving them international releases. Oh yeah, they're and, a reissue label. I'm looking at them now. Um, so they actually they did a reissue of Stratosphere by Duster recently, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and this album, the way that I found it was I saw one singular Instagram ad for it, like a video ad that was just playing "To Live in the Sea," and I was like, that looks cool. And so I saved it, and then I listened to it, and I was like, "Wow, this shit sucks." Um, <laughs> and then I listen, I like, I got that melody stuck in my head, and I was like, "Well, now I have to get it out of my head." So I re-listened to it, and I was like, "Maybe I do like this." And then it was a history from there. But uh, I, they did a vinyl release of this record, mm-hmm. which I think I must be one of the only people on the planet who owns this vinyl. Um, <laughs> But it, it's really cool, too. It's not just, like, a normal vinyl. It's a clear beach ball rainbow splatter vinyl. That is, like, five adjectives you just put onto this record. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, that's the best way that you can vinyl this record, like, is just, like, throwing <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. But that was where I found the uh, that I had a, an English lyric sheet. 
So there was a funny, a funny thing that I, I, I pulled the wool over Sophie's eyes for a moment on this, where when I gave it to her, I was like, hey, you should, <laughs> yeah. when you listen to it, go look at the Genius page and read the little blurb because it's a concept album. And she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> and she goes to look at it. She sends me a picture and she goes, oh, <laughs> this person must really know this album and it's my account. Oh, <laughs> oh. Whole first and last on genius.com, yeah. by the way. Just putting, just doxing yourself yeah, via I, your, I, your love you for know, this record. I, I transcribed the entire thing on Genius. I made Masami Hara's entire presence on the website and I <laughs> I, uh, I did all of the annotations for it. I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure he's thanking you so much. Dude, I don't think he knows anything. I doubt he knows that people in the US know this album exists. Who, who, is he like doing anything currently or did he just like drop this and then vanish into the ether he dropped this did one more album i think the year after which is slightly worse but a little bit more 80s um like kind of more poppy uh there's one track on it that i love called the blue knight which is like sound collage which is so strange for him but uh then he dropped another album i think in 20. 12 let me yeah 2012 i'm looking at the rate your music page yeah and uh that one's also not great but he is supposedly an actor i don't know anything about him his presence online is just nil but uh yeah this uh, he's he's an enigma and this album is an enigma to me but i love it it's a very strange thing yeah on the note of the uh the concept i feel like i should elaborate on that yeah so this album is like a it's a concept album that's you don't really need the lyrics to understand it. Basically what it is, is it is about dreams and the process of falling asleep and then waking up. So the first track is super floaty and has almost no instrumental. It's just synth um, and like a very like spaced out drum machine. And that is like falling asleep. It's like you're floating around to live in the sea. Then as the album develops, it adds instruments every track like uh like zenith of couples is very different Mm -hmm. but it still is just synth and drum machine really um but it adds in a bass and then as you go on you add in like steel drum on twist uh you add in an actual drum kit i really like the steel drum in uh implementation by the way this is awesome that's a great track but uh by the end of the the album on uh on living with sound you're fully awake, which is the why why at the very beginning of the song it samples someone walking around. Um, mm-hmm. And then every single track that has been present on the album is present there. And it's all just like the drum kit gets to go fucking nuts on the outro. Um, it's just, a, it's a, I think it's a very cool way of synthesizing an album to like show the process of adding in elements and like make that, it feel like, it feels like it really builds. I love it for that. Um, besides futon making, the track that I really connected with was your dream. Mm-hmm. Um, that that like needle synth riff on it is like it feels like somebody squeezing a stuffed animal too hard and like the eyes pop out, you know? Yeah. Like it just it just like moves in and out of the mix, and then there's like the bridge where they just take it and extend it out. It's like it's like something really weird, like falling to earth and, and like getting its legs. I kept thinking of this little fucking alien. Yeah, it's it's such a it. This album is like I, I was referring. I was talking. I was really goofing on it before because it is very very odd. And if you go mm-hmm. into it prepared for like something, I don't want to say 
deeper, but I was anticipating from the cover and the way you've talked about it, much more like elegant or spacey like or like kind of self-serious. Yeah, like more more um yeah, more and more I don't even want to say serious because clearly this was made seriously, but like <laughs> I don't fucking know. But people you you no, understand I what, know I mean. what you mean, yeah. Elegant is a good way to put it. It's very direct more put, in a lot put, of ways. Like, like put together. Like I was I was something more buttoned up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like I was expecting that. Um and getting like this Zonko stomping wacko album like so it like threw me for a loop so hard but like the more i sat with it and i spun it a few times the more the more i sat with it the more it did kind of like leech its way into my brain Mm -hmm. and i found myself appreciating it like on the level that i might appreciate a more buttoned up album Mm -hmm. um with this even with all like the 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 springs going off in my ears um (laughs) If you think Kate Bush would sound better if she was soundtracking the Looney Tunes, you will be really (laughs) into this. This album, I really, I think that I just respect it for how incredibly balls to the wall it is. It is really audacious, for sure. And for somebody with zero musical presence prior to this, to do something this insane, it really feels like something that only somebody uninhibited by like a label or by like prior expectation could make. Uh, and Ray, I really love it for that. Radio music does say he has one album before this. Mm, what's it the is, one? It is called imagination Sushin from 1982. Oh, imagination exchange. Yeah. That's the one that I thought was after, but that's the prior, the prior one. Yeah. And there that's is the one that I think is worse. <laughs> there is also Yoro Nusachi after this one in 88. Yeah, so he he's had some some stuff, but uh, I think that their imagination exchange got very little play, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely was kind of still freewheeling. This is but, very uh, this is very creatively uninhibited. You're for sure right about that, especially within this the I hate to say the sound boundaries, but it does have like eighty synths and gated drums, like to mm-hmm. use those things and also be as like fucking crazy joker moded as this is like is is very impressive i'm glad that you uh you got something out of it because i feel like every time i show this to somebody i get a different reaction it's such a unique piece of music that it's like you can't help but feel something about it when i listen to this i feel like have you played super mario galaxy yes i feel like i'm spring mario when i listen to this Like I, I I can't sit still and I'm just bouncing on my head onto my feet, onto my head, onto my feet as I walk down the street. Yeah. That's 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 a good description. I, I could also compare it, uh I think I said this in your DMs. If I could compare it to one other record that I've heard, um, it would be uh Gary Wilson, uh his uh like comeback album Mary Had Brown Hair. And from what you're telling me about this guy, about uh, Hara, uh, Wilson and Hara definitely have the like uninhibited outsider artist influenced by pop music, but also just like really fucking off in their own direction. Yeah. Thing going on in the music. Um, and they also use like similar synth patches and yeah. drums and the, the same chipmunky vocals. 
so that that was definitely in my mind um while i was listening to this and gary wilson is like a fucking freak like his the character he plays on all of his songs is like a stalker creep like obsessed with these women thing happening um and alex cameron character yeah but worse like he is he is like borderline of like a murder like he feels like a murderer on these Mm. and he's committed to it on every single song to the point of you aren't sure how much of a character it is you know like to that level um and i don't know maybe that interpretation like i don't know how much of a character you are playing on this album or if this is really like you you are pushing this sound forward i don't know like that kind of added to it too like it was just in my brain like that I probably would enjoy that. I should probably, I should check that out. It's odd. It's really weird. Yeah. I like weird things. This is a, this is kind of what, what I, <laughs> you, you told me that you like pop that's like catchy, but has one weird thing about it. And I was like, yeah. I'm just going to go fully in the weird direction and see what happens. Yeah. I, I, I find it, it's hard for me to say this isn't a pop album, but it's also hard for me to say it is, you know? I just call it straight up experimental. Like, it is It is experimental, but it has, like, it, it's taking elements from 80s pop. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's like a very irreverent rearranging of uh, of 80s pop. It feels like it's, it's taking those cliches and it's making something that's, like, very odd and strange. And there is, like... Claim it feels really reverent to me. Like it's, it feels like it's treating eighties pop like experimental music. Like it is, it is taking the concept, like it is, it is taking the tropes of eighties pop music and treating them as if they were experimental. I guess, but I think the fact that it adds in so many other genres to it, like it has reggae and it has some it does. really like swingy guitar. That's very, rock influenced and steel um, drums and violin and uh a, and a cymbal also, monkey the and... drummer on this album is kind of cracked the solo at the end of living with sound is like one of my favorite musical moments out there it's he's so so he's like a metronome he's just on it but uh i think that the fact that this ties in so many things and it really only builds off of the base of 80s music yeah. to me makes it feel like it is not respecting the boundaries of that genre at all Mm-hmm. Um, so I see it as irreverent in that sense, but I also see what you're saying about it kind of treating that bass delicately. Like it, it does that eighties bass very well. Um, yeah, I just, I think that the, I could write an essay about this album. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, no, it was great. I, I, I had a, I had a, an entertaining time with it. I recommend this to people who want to have a wild, wild ride and come out feeling something. Don't know what, but it will be something. You you will feel something. Yes. <laughs> and if you're like me, it might change your perspective. This actually like changed the way that I, that I looked at like pop music. So I love this album. All right. Uh, shall we move on to our albums? Uh, yeah, let's do it. We're going to kick it off with Soccer Mommy. Sometimes forever. I think you should uh, you should tackle this one first because you you've you've been a, a a difficult soccer mommy convert. Yes, so soccer mommy is 
of the pantheon of like bedroom pop turned like indie indie alt kind of girls uh i i definitely prefer snail mail and they seem to me or they feel to me like they fill similar niches so i i've never really felt like i needed to go anywhere else like to soccer mommy i've just been there for miss Lindsay jordan but uh this one seemed a little bit more interesting because the singles that were there uh were unique odd. and much stranger very yeah. odd yeah so i was like this is might be a transitional period into something a little bit more experimental that i could get behind and it did turn out to be that but i think that i don't want to start shitting on it too early but um i i liked it for the record but uh i think that it kind of is a transitional album and not a fully formed thesis I do of agree. the ideas. I think that there's like one really good idea on it that gets kind of run into the ground and that by her next one, she'll kind of see more of how to build off of it and branch out into it. But for right now, it kind of like it lost steam towards the halfway point for me. For the uh, for to get the to get the the, the shit sing out of the way first. Um, yeah. The so the producer on this album is uh Daniel Lopatin of um One O Tricks Point Never. Uh mm-hmm. and he he recently pro- He's been getting some work done this yeah, last year. Yeah, he's been getting some crazy placements. He produced both of the last two weekend albums and now onto this. And on the uh the weekend album on Don FM, uh it definitely felt like he was there really just to make the music sound really like cold and and far away and really harness that like 80s synth sound um but on this they kind of let him run wild a bit uh and so that led to the single shotgun which is definitely kind of the craziest soccer mommy song yet shotgun oh i'm sorry uh not shotgun the unholy affliction yeah Yeah. i was like shotgun yeah uh it has this super creepy chorus and very fucked up synth and bass sounds and the the drums are so loud and industrial um yeah like it really sounds like it really sounds like daniel lapatin had a big influence on it and so the record kind of leads with that like it, it it goes through bones which is pretty standard soccer mommy it good i like that song though and then with you which puts a little synth into it and then unholy affliction which is like dropping you right into the deep end of that sound yeah and then it sticks with it for a few more songs like uh, Darkness Forever uh, and kind of Following Eyes, but not so much. But the rest of the runtime is like weirdly. It feels bad for me to say weirdly diverse, but it feels like she's just kind of throwing pasta at the wall after a point. And yeah. I like most of the pasta, but it does make the album to me feel like it fakes Scattered. yeah it fakes you out with a concept and then ends up just sort of being like a playlist of her trying a bunch of different things rather than a super cohesive whole yeah um and like she does well at most of those things um but coming off of color theory which i adore that record it is and it's so like sonically coherent that one like it's very it has a sound um it's just a little weird for it to be this all over the place. I don't mind it, but it's it is strange. Yeah, I I think that on songs like Bones, 
it's very interesting and there's this really echoey kind of crunchy guitar yeah. right at the front and mixed with like it, it, there's there's some really interesting channel play on bones like uh it'll kind of go in and out and i like that um and same thing with with you there is some cool like kind of beach house ass melody yeah. over the top the, in the synth the guitar presence is really like a drippy on yeah yeah i really like and that one that's probably my favorite track there's the same kind of really like echoey guitar from bones yeah but there's some interesting play where like the left channel is really smooth and the right one is much rougher yeah. with the guitar um it's really interesting and like the synth washes and they bathe the chorus it just adds a lot of needed depth i think and then yeah you go into unholy affliction and you're like wow we are really committing to this this is wacky like what yeah. is happening um it's straight up weird. The wild patterning is really compelling. And I think that the kind of delirious delivery on her vocals, it makes it really mm -hmm. unique. Um, not really, like not even that just was, out of the track list, but like on her entire discography. That was kind of a sticking point with me on a couple tracks on this album is that I think songs like New Demo uh, and maybe Following Eyes and Feel It All The Time could have benefited a bit from her varying her vocal Definitely. delivery um but uh she does really well with it on unholy affliction like she's really spooky yeah. on this song it definitely helps to show that she can do that um i, I think that yeah. i like shotgun more in the track listing um i think it's more necessary as her like quote-unquote normal song in the midst of some really experimental cuts um i like it yeah. actually right after unholy affliction i thought it might be jarring but I think it's kind of refreshing. Yeah, it's it's like a you, you get you get sprayed with acid and then they yeah exactly. I, I I agree definitely with new demo. Um, I think that it's nice enough, but it feels really familiar for some reason. And it was just kind of aimless to somebody for me. who has never listened to much Soccer Mommy. For me to already feel like I'm getting deja vu on one of her tracks is not optimal. Mm -hmm. Um. It, it could have been a cut color theory thing, yeah. I think. And then after that, I feel like it was kind of dipping into a lot of samey territory. Like, Don't Ask Me only really picked up with that little guitar solo at the end. Um, yeah. And then it was just like, other than that, really normal. Same thing for Following Eyes. It has a bit more of like a psych edge, but the kick pattern is so, so boring. And that's kind of where I, that was my sticking point was that not only vocally was she kind of treading a lot of the same ground, but also the kick pattern. I even texted you. I said, soccer mommy, find a new kick pattern challenge impossible. Like it's <laughs> so, it's just so like one, two, one, two, one, two. There's nothing varying it at all, <clears throat> which is so crazy considering like the mixing on the drums at the beginning is so interesting and on some areas like unholy affliction like we talked about the drums are so wild and i'm like so i'm like where did that go did you just like you had such a small budget for drums and you blew it in the beginning and then just the rest of it is so dumb and like sounds like it could be packaged you know i was super split on following eyes in particular because it has this mix of like the the spooky instrumentation and the lyrics are kind of like it's a it's like a ghost story like it's like a campfire ghost story like really like old school spooky story ass shit um but then it just like breaks into this really sparkly chorus that like i like but it makes the song feel kind of tonally 
back and forth and i'm not sure how intentional like it's weird because i'm not sure if she feels attracted to or afraid of the ghost and like that angle almost doesn't like that would be a cool angle to take for a song but it almost doesn't feel like the angle isn't clear enough that it's that it's it seems intentional like the effect isn't as is as isn't as dramatic as i think it could be um uh i feel like i am shitting a lot on this album that i liked um i i said bones i I liked uh i really liked like the harmonica that's kind of buried in the guitar Mm -hmm. mix there um the outro goes from like it starts like like a big ring almost like u2e uh like outro melody but then it like kind of fucks Mm -hmm. it up and it gets really dissonant and it's like windshield wiper like (laughs) Um, but I was into it. Like, yeah. I like that. I really, I really like that. Like, I like the way that it soars and then like kind of crashes. Uh, I put Nirvana E undercurrent on with you that I think then came back on, uh, darkness forever, which is kind of like my other favorite mm-hmm. track on here. Uh, she, she like whispers on, and then it has like this really simple, but driving baseline. And the start of this song, I swear to God, sounds like nine inch nails. Uh, and then over the course of it, it builds back to that like shoegaze grunge Nirvana yeah. drone uh, going on. Um, it took me a couple of tries to understand what they were going for on that one, but I ended up liking that one mm-hmm. a lot. And I think that that's kind of what she could benefit from is stuff that does take a little bit more time because it feels like she gets those really good experimental cuts at the beginning. And then it's so mm-hmm. immediate towards the back half for most of it that there's it just doesn't compare it feels so much more pale i see even as someone who doesn't necessarily mind really immediate songwriting um it like it definitely feels less focused by the end just Mm -hmm. because it's going in so many different directions with that immediacy like uh feel it all the time is a country song (laughs) um and i think it's a pretty good country song but like i don't know what it's doing here yeah and it was so interesting because I did, I did cave because I was interested to see what people were talking about this, like what they were saying. And yeah. I looked at Rate Your Music. Never do that. But I looked at Rate Your Music and uh, people were saying that they felt like it was really unified in the diversity. And I was like, did we listen to the same album? I strange. Don't, I don't get it. But, uh, you know. I've been, I've been using the word strange a lot on this, uh, on this, on this, on this podcast episode. Curious. Curiouser and curiouser. That's basically all I have to say about that. Yeah, overall, I was into this one. Uh, I don't think it's her best for me. Color Theory is like, that shit just knocked it out of the park for me. Um, Circle the Drain is such a, like a, you send me into another galaxy moment that I just couldn't, I I, I couldn't see anything on this really beating it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I liked this decently, and I think it'll be on loop for summer. All right. Our next album is going to be Jer. Jer? Jer? I think it's Jer because their name is Jeremy. Ah, okay. Jeremy. Jer. (laughs) I almost just said Jeremy is the name. Anyway, next up is going to be Jer with Bothered slash Unbothered. I come to you on my hands and knees. Fuck. No offense. Fuck this album. 
I come to you on my hands and knees on the day of my daughter's wedding. Oh, it's so tell much. Me, tell me how you feel, Megan. Just let I... it all out. Just let it all out. From the first two seconds of the album, I was making a face not in the good way. I was just like, oh, I have to sit through this. Uh, the mixing on the song Bothered is so blistering and loud, and the horns are just so much, and I was really overwhelmed. Um, I didn't mind Decolonize Your Mind until the fucking rap portion, and then I was like, I, I'm done. I loved the rap bit. I looked on... The the one thing that I thought was funny is that there's someone uh, named Cal the Thought Slayer credited for some guitar on this record, so oh that's my, my favorite part about it. Uh I'm Googling Cal the Thought Slayer and I'm getting nothing. I have no <laughs> idea who this is. Uh, the more melodic vocals on the song, maybe, I feel like are not strong or steady enough to yeah, like, maybe, stay in slower moments on this. Maybe was my least favorite because I think they were trying to go for like Midwest emo ska. Yeah. And it's so repetitive and the singing was very grating. So that yeah. I will give you that one. That song's really bad. Thank you. Um, I got into a lull of just being kind of bored, and in the beginning of Nobody Can Dull My Sparkle actually was so like egregiously cringe to me that it, it made me shiver. That one that one had I also had to take a couple spins to that one, but it got there for me. Just it, it took me I had to get used to the vocal effects was the thing. Ugh. This one, I, I like sent my friend a picture of me like staring forward at the picture of the album, and I like I looked so dead behind the eyes, and he was like, "You don't look happy." I was like, "No, I'm not." This is your demon. It's so funny because like I I like ska obviously, and I like this album, but I don't I don't feel nearly as strong about it. like I I I really liked it. I was super into it. I would even rank it like top fifteen of the year, but. For me, at least so far right now, but your your visceral disgust with it is so like yeah, I, like I I I I feel like I have to like leap impassionedly to this album's defense, but like I just I just thought it was good. Like I don't, I don't yeah, have a it, to like ska is just such a kill switch for an album for me, where it's like I hear it and I'm immediately out. What, um, what 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 is the turnoff for you with ska because honestly so here here's the thing with me when i was listening to this um the song uh cold truth um when i was listening to that one uh with this 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 like there's a little bit of synth on that one and it was leaning pretty hard on the uh on the punk versus the ska and um the 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 chorus where uh where they're like um uh I don't I don't remember. Like you can't face the cold truth. It just felt like a Jeff Rosenstock song to me. Like I was listening to it and I was like, yeah, this is Jeff Rosenstock, except it's got like a bit of a reggae bounce at the beginning, and maybe there's some brass here and there. But it's like just, that was it's like, like what 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 is it? I need I need to know. So so Scott, the reason why it pisses me off is because I hate the mixing on all of Ska. <laughs> it's so squeaky and shiny and in my face and there's like not enough dynamics in it to make it interesting to me. Like mm -hmm. everything that's in it is at the top of it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and I don't like the mixing on the horns. They're grating. They're and usually they are usually treated in like a specific way which really bothers me it's just that specific treatment of brass it feels so grating and so 
intrusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I feel like I'm not allowed to have other thoughts when I'm listening to ska. It's just ska. It's all ska. I'm being consumed. Okay, um, so here's here's a question for you. Okay. What if you saw ska live? Do you think your opinion would change? This is I, not. This is this is not a threat. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to drag gonna, you at gunpoint no, you're to really, a real big fish you're, show. You're going to invite me out to dinner, and then like a mariachi <laughs> band is going to come out, but it's going to be a ska band instead. <laughs> I'm hire. Great news! I'm hiring the big bad voodoo daddies to come to your house. Oh God! Um, they're going to play outside my window and throw rocks at my window until I open <laughs> it. Um, I I think that it, I would probably enjoy it in a live setting because of the vibe from the crowd and yeah. because they seem like they're having a good time playing it but ska, never in my life would i come back and listen to it after the show you know ska has that like diy like passion that uh like the hardcore scene has but it is very like different and good natured and flavor um like i i have been to some ska shows not extend i don't have extensive ska experience but i have been to some and like the the vibe is just like overwhelming positivity at all times. Um, so I'm I'm curious if that might be some something of a way to to backdoor you into liking it. <laughs> what what would you say your single least favorite thing here was? Probably a tie between the mixing on the horns and the vocals. I really did not like their vocals. Okay. Um, I definitely think the vocals are a weak point on a lot of their covers. Um, but on the originals, I found them pretty endearing. Because uh, just our context, Jerry is the same person as uh, Scott 2 Network on YouTube. And uh, they started getting really big in like the modern ska scene by doing ska covers of like all kinds of like pop and rock songs. Um, and uh, eventually they like, I think did some work on the, the Steven universe movie, like some of the music there, and then ended up doing stuff with, um, like larger Scott, like filling in for, as an instrumentalist for larger Scott band. Um, when I saw pup, they brought them out, they brought them out. Um, now they're working with Jeff Rosenstock directly and they have their own band called, we are the union. That's been really big. So like their, their rise to like the top of Scott has been pretty meteoric. Um, and yeah, I do agree to a point with the uh, with the vocal criticism, but honestly, it didn't it didn't really hurt me too much. To to gush for a second, I I, I the only track that I found to be a skipper on here was maybe I really liked everything else. Um, real quick rundown: bothered, I I thought was super charismatic, and I rake at the beginning, and the lyrics were super mm-hmm. vicious. Um, you got your card revoked. Uh, I said the main riff was game <laughs> show ass. Uh, and then it has like the surf bridge and then the chorus is really like cinematic and dark. Uh, and I, I liked the lyrics squaring their blackness with being non-binary and how people view that as a walking contradiction mm-hmm. when it's not, um, like because the, uh, the, well, the idea of like demap people as non-binary or like wanting to be feminine as a bad thing and like black men, especially like being challenged to be as masculine mm-hmm. as possible um uh i really like i actually really like the production on uh clouds and uh decolonize your mind um also uh i thought it was really funny on clout chasers when they said that you don't give a frick i didn't even hear that, that <laughs> they, they're saying they're saying fuck for the whole song except there's one time when they say you don't give a frick that's really funny that um funny. i thought their flow 
on decolonize your mind on the rap verse was surprisingly good like i just would not have expected them to have that as a skill in their back pocket i thought it went over really well um garden of understanding i liked it goes through some nice phases i didn't think it was strong as the last couple but honestly i have to admit this is a personal weakness and failing of mine that the album really won me over by sampling princess bubblegum my first gay crush Mm. at the start of the song like i will just i'll freely admit that 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 is like if you sample princess bubblegum i'll probably like your song (laughs) um but yeah, I was, I was, I, that I, she, it's from the, the Nettie episode where she's like, people get built different. We just got to respect that. And I went, what? And then it kicks into like full Scott and I was just instantly with it. Oh my God. Um, uh, nobody can tell my sparkle also samples Craig of the Creek. So I'm in for that too. Um, Unbothered was fine. I liked how they went into the, uh, I'm losing my entire mind from the opener as the, uh, like the outro passage. And then, uh, you can get it if you really want. I pinged as the track that you'd probably hate the most because I thought it sounded the most like classic ska. Like it's very toaster. I was listening to some toasters to get in the ska mood before this. And, uh, and it just it was just like yeah this song kind of sounds like two-tone army like i just it's just what happened by that point in the album i was completely out like i was just 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 unconscious with comatose i was sitting there a vegetable on my couch trying to think about anything else and being unable having having an experience like floating above your body yeah not Um, in a good way all right, so with, with all of this discussion, I, I promise I'll let it go after next episode, but I know what I'll give you for next time. Oh, um, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this is a big fat zero from Megan yep. and a resounding thumbs up for me. I really like this one. Um, if you have any interest in Scott or if you like, if you're into Jeff Rosenstock and you can handle uh, some 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 squeaky brass, I guess, um then i think you will probably have a good time with this one it's very hooky it's very fun uh jared has a lot of personality both on the mic and uh as an instrumentalist they played pretty much like most of the instruments on this album and uh yeah i think that's about all i have to say about it but yeah i I like this one go have fun in my stead oh i will (laughs) i will buster brown all right our next album is going to be lupe fiasco with drill music in zion now there are those that resoluted to wreck, got caught, fought, lost, electrocuted to death. Came a little late for the rescue and the flesh DNA exonerates posthumously whatever's left. No resurrection, but reputation's correct. The revelation brings decorated regrets. Uh, boy, oh boy, does he have a lot to say on this album. He certainly does. And I didn't, like, catch a lot of it at the beginning because I think that for me, I found this is it. This is after doing a lot of rap listening in the last year. I have found that I can't really do rap like this, where it's so flow oriented and so wordplay oriented, unless it's built on the foundation of a really solid beat. Because without the beat, I am not inspired in any way to listen to what's being said or to look into it. Because I'm like, I'm not going to come back to this musically, so I don't think I would come back to it lyrically. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Yeah, this is a uh, uh, that was a big Achilles heel for this album for me. Um, I, I definitely am more of a rap enjoyer than you. I think that's fair to say. Um, but like when 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 this record is on, I think it's really on some of the most thoughtful and layered rap that I've heard all year. There's like double meanings on fucking everything he says. The title of this album, Drill Music in Zion, means 
three different things. There's like the the like the the image contrast of playing drill music in like the holy place. There's like comparing uh, Zion to the hood as like a really tough place to live and like drilling music, like playing it over and over again or like practicing it over and over again as an escape. And then there's um, the the idea of like drilling deeper into music to find Zion. Mm-hmm. And that's all outlaid on the first song um, where his sister is like taking the mic. But like, that's the concept that this album is around is like built around. And that's the like level of lyrical, like multifacetedness that we're dealing with here. It's way more like, I hate to say traditionally academic because like, I hate that shit, but like it is, it is much more like in intellectual in that way than a Billy Woods is, you know, like you might need more than a Google to puzzle out what he's saying here. Um, but I am held back on loving this record the way I love Ethiopes by Woods by some really just uncreative beat choices. I'm I have no re- no reservation in saying that some of the beat choices on this are just like so you you thought inept. this was yeah it's just very boring like were you this beat did this beat speak to you or did you just pick this one because it was there they're very impotent they say nothing and they do nothing there's some very awkward hooks as well and uh there's a repeated vocal appearance from the only guest on this album who's a singer called Nayira, mm-hmm. and she brings zilch to the album despite being on yeah. like half of it um and i am very uh I realized towards the back half when it does start to add some elements to the beats, how starved for any kind of variety I was. Yeah. Um, like Miss Mural picks up the bass somewhat, like the bass quality is a little bit better and the saxophone that comes in adds so much, but the saxophone is there like 10% of the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I just need more, please give me something. Um, and then the kick uh, pattern, once again, kick patterns this episode are my, are my, my downfall it was so boring and so frontal that it killed momentum, which sucked because then Naomi continued some of that momentum momentum mm-hmm. with the trumpet and the vocal effects. Yeah. But it's just like, ugh. I really like Naomi, actually. Like, that, uh, the whole, like, silly second verse with all the Malcolm X wordplay, that was just, like, making me smile. Like, it's just yeah. very good. Uh, and, yeah, you're right. The trumpet solo on that track is, like, really good. Did you get the, uh, did you get the Sopranos joke on that one? No, I did not. What, what was it? uh do it does the listenership even know about your uh your your love for these elderly mm, italian men maybe not i'm a big sopranos head um, huge huge sopranos enjoyer over yeah, here I'm, I, I'm italian i've never seen it yeah i watched all of the sopranos over uh spring quarter of uh last year and it was a uh, probably the only thing keeping me going through probably my hardest academic quarter and uh, i i owe the i owe the sopranos a lot i'm a big carmelo soprano she's my girl Uh, he says all that beautiful musical moving you like an intercooled subaru with an italian man saying look at what i do for you a nice chicken vesuvio be in north boston often around them sicilians i be walking like the ambiance and talking my favorite part is when all of the affogados is brought in you can put dolce vita chicken risotto in my coffin he is like pretty hard i like it's so good I did. I did like the some of the vocal deliveries. Yeah, he's fun. He's having fun on this one. Like uh, the title track. 
I like some of the vocal movement on it and the like the some of the like ending lines on the verses like you're gonna pay for it you bitch it felt very heavy and intense and effective yeah um but I'm not like sold on the album overall because of that I this is one of the ones that I thought the beat was like kind of nothing yeah um and then the first verse was like pretty it was like dense but very like i've elusive i felt elusive about that one like yeah it was just not not much substance uh i i like the line about the nun with the modeling career though i thought that was funny yeah uh and then there's a uh a second verse i actually really really liked the second verse on this song uh it's it's this is like this album falls into some like conscious rap pitfalls. Uh, and I think like the pretty the occasionally boring beats are one of them. Uh, one of the, the pitfalls is that the songs can get very, very specific topically, but they're not backed up by anything else on the rest of the album. So it sounds, they feel like unmoored, you know, like they're just kind of like, here's a political point. Here's a political point here's a political point and it doesn't add up to a cohesive like statement of ideology you know yeah yeah i kind of i felt that way on the closer track when i did i liked the line rappers die too much that's it that's the verse and the yeah, build off of yeah. it and i thought that that was really effective and it was a it was a good like instrumental build too but i didn't feel like there was a ton of precedent for that off the rest of the album so i was a little like confused i was like i guess this is if you were going to put kind of a semi-random statement like that, I guess the closer is the place to put it. Yeah. Because that gives it a little bit more precedent. But I felt like it was something that he could have discussed a little bit more and a little bit more in depth and in different contexts if he used it on the rest of the album. I think he did a pretty good job with that topic, honestly, just because the the rappers die too much. That's it. That's the verse. Like that good, like sucker punch like jump yeah. right to start the song. So I was pretty lukewarm on this album, except for three tracks that I thought were like incredible, like galaxy brained. And this was one of them. I-, I think like he does a pretty good job, like elaborating on and, and, and like doing this, this idea, like pushing this idea of like the, the, the game, the culture is, is too dangerous. Mm. Um, because I was, th- I was listening to this song and I was thinking about, um, do you know the rapper Russ? Yeah. Yeah, so he did something like this a couple years ago. I don't even fucking remember. Um, and he got so clowned. He got clowned so hard for it because the way he did it was so like insubstantial and whiny and like I'm better than you because I don't like participate in these things. But the amount of like heartbreak and emotion behind like the things that Lupe is saying on this song is like i don't it was really palpable um especially with him singing on the hook because there was something really charming about his singing for me like he's not a technically gifted singer he's not a great singer or anything but like you can really tell that he's putting his heart into what he's singing here and i don't know it just it just really landed for me um i have some i have some lyrical snippets here um uh, right after the uh, the 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 like opener gut punch, he gives it a minute and then he does a hook and then he says, uh, "Silent reflection was the first verse's mission. I ain't want to water it down with a whole bunch of conditions. Just give it to you raw. How I'm really feeling. Rappers get shot too much. Probably has a lot more precision, but that was the decision. And with that, I'm a stick. Uh, look at what we say in this bitch just to get rich. Shoot him right in the head. Don't even flinch. And then 
later uh facts i wish i wish that they was lying in their raps how does that transpire to be so damned by god you want your friends to be goddamn liars all we talk about are our goddamned priors shiny metal boxes on top of goddamn tires i'm goddamn tired if i say i didn't indulge my pants would be on goddamn fire and the end of the song he says what's the difference between a posthumous album and a life insurance policy spotify which i don't know like this this I, I can definitely see where you're coming from because I I feel like, yeah, this is an example of a song that has a very specific topic that doesn't connect to an ideology on the rest of the album and maybe could have been better served if there was a few more moments about this topic, but also, ow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I definitely think that this one, it definitely, it is acted upon in a more elegant and I think well-sold way. Than a mm-hmm. lot of the other really specific things on the album. Yeah. Um, I think like, that this one feels like it has personal context, which is why it works. For sure. Yeah. To compare it to the the song, to the title track that we were talking about. Um, the second verse on that song is about, um, it's a great verse. And he's talking about um, uh, like black men being executed and then posthumously uh, exonerated by DNA evidence. Like this, it happens of fucking lot will be convicted on racist like by racist juries in racist courts by like arrested by racist cops for crimes they didn't commit and then they have to die for it and yeah after they die they discover the evidence they're like oops um but like he rings a lot of passion and meaning out of that for that verse but it's one verse and the first verse of the song is about something completely different like it just doesn't it's not backed up by anything it feels very isolated Mm -hmm. um I also really liked uh, Kiosk. I didn't write anything down about that one. That was probably my second favorite track lyrically. It spends its time examining like the psyche of people who buy fake chains at the mall. Oh. Which is like, you wouldn't expect him to be able to pull deep meaning out of that, but he really does because he 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 puts himself in the character of like the shitty little kiosk salesman the whole second verse is cracked like on the rhyme scheme and what he's saying and it's totally drumless like i thought it totally worked uh he says um you ain't gotta be a criminal involved know how to rap or nap for dribbling the ball or be a prince or an emperor at all everybody's equal in the middle of the mall like if everybody has these chains that they bought at the mall then what do like rich people's chains even mean anymore like this is it, it becomes like it's just meaningless. Like it, it becomes a status symbol, but everybody has the status symbol. So it's not a status symbol anymore. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a little bit of excess by Rena with the, uh, bought a zip code. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's much more like, it's very like specific to the black experience, but it yeah. is, it is, it is. Yeah. I definitely do see that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I, that's basically the conclusion of my thoughts on it. Um, um I I have two more tracks I would like to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Autobotto. Did you I remember have thinking that one was bizarre? I have no idea what this is. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to I'm going to read the hook. I'm going to do it because yeah. this. I was listening to this and then I was like on the on the. Uh, the YouTube, I was watching the music video and I was reading the comments and people are like, finally, he's back. Lupe Fiasco is the savior of rap. I can't believe it. He's so, he's the greatest. I defend myself in court. This is sport. I get signals from the source. 
I can twist and I can tort. I just feel like I'm a Porsche. Yeah, when I saw like, it, I was like, what? He's, what he's the hell does that mean? Porsche thing is a fucking Autobot. <laughs> I'm Guerrera. Era, 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 era. And then before he goes into the the verse, he does like the the Roddy Rich eater 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 eater. It's yeah, so, so stupid. I this is an insane choice for the sing- single, and it's just not a good song. I was baffled by that one. The idea of Lupe Fiasco just like his flex is like, yeah, I'm a fucking transformer. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah, Lupe Fiasco is the next Bumblebee. Um, and then the last track I want to shout out was my favorite track, which is Ms. Mural. Yeah, I like that one. I don't have a ton of uh, past, like, Lupe experience, but this is, I know this is a trilogy. Like, it's the, the conclusion of, like, a series of songs called, like, I think it's, I think it's Mural, Mural Jr., and now Ms. Mural. Um, like, Pac-Man, Jackman Jr. and Ms. Pac-Man. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this track... Like, I, I wanted to start, like, taking lyric snippets from it, and I ended up just, like, basically taking the whole song, because the storytelling and, like, the the indictment of capitalism in art, and the, like, the way this track ends, like, the, 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 the ending bit of this verse, um, is, like, easily maybe the best rap verse I've heard this whole year, um, and I really like the beat, too um the the sax performance is so good um it's just so cool like to see him tackling like the way artists are expected to like cater to conservative moralism and brands just to like survive in this world Mm -hmm. it's 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 a lot as a song i will i will read just one bit where he says um it's like a conversation between an, an artist and his patron and the patron says do you act off intuition or languish and peruse and the artist says, more like trap, more like tap into tradition from the angle of my mood. He looked back at his canvas while strangling a tube, a master of the palette, all sanguine and cool. Um, which the imagery is just so good. Yeah. Um, and then that's not even getting into the the political messaging on the song, which I don't think I can even do justice to because it's so good. Deceiving in the brush strokes, how aggressively I strafe, less like putting on some makeup, more like severing my more like severing a face. Um, it's crazy. It's just such a good song, and I don't even want to spoil the way that the story of the song ends because it's awesome. Um, but yeah, I really was really really impressed by that song. So yeah, I loved. To to sum up, I was really really impressed by Kiosk, um, Ms. Mural, and On Phonem, and the rest of the album I thought was really held back by those bad beats. Yeah, I was kind of middling all the way through bordering on negative i don't really think that i enjoyed this at all <laughs> that's cool that's cool which kind of sucked but you know say lovey say lovey next up is tim bernardes with uh mil coisas invisibles that's that's the best i can do which is translated to a thousand invisible things this one blew my socks off oh man this is a spellbinding album that is the word i would use yeah 
this is magical. It is so beautiful. And I got the privilege of seeing him live open for Fleet Foxes, um, which is how I, I was turned on to the fact that this album existed because I am not turned on to the Portuguese music scene. Um, but I am so, so happy I didn't miss this one. It is just absolutely beautiful. Um, in awe of how grandiose and intimate and warm this album is. Yeah. And uh, it's been a while since I've heard a folk or singer-songwriter album that has such a strong bass presence. Um, yeah. And it has such a, a liquid vocal. It is so fluid and, like, it, he he's able to go between his chest and his head voice so easily. In that way, he reminds me a lot of uh, Jeff Buckley. But, uh, yeah, super, the, super impressed by this. The fact that this album is, A, self-produced. Mm-hmm. B, he played, like, all the goddamn instruments. Mm-hmm. And C, he easily like without a doubt has one of the best voices i've heard in indie in like recent memory i seriously his voice is unbelievable he is yeah. like warm he's gentle he's emotionally versatile and he's capable of like so much dynamic range he has a beautiful voice he is this is like one of the most musically gifted people we've talked about on the show so far just yeah. like in terms of sheer like skill he is juggling so many hats on this album and it is unbelievable. There's a point on this record that I like where I'm amazed by a production choice. And I was like, wow, that's a crazy choice. Who produced this? And I looked up and it was him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? He did one more thing for this. Yeah. It's like anything that's cool about this album. You can basically just chalk it up to Tim being amazing. Yeah. Um, this record is consistently and marvelously intimate it's not necessarily mm -hmm. personal like it is it is sometimes personal but there's a lot of clear like storytelling and using in the lyrics that aren't about tim himself um but the the intimacy of these performances is ridiculous his singing like i say all this nice stuff about his voice and it has this beautiful, like imperfect live quality to it, even on record. Yeah. He leaves in all these little production blemishes, like a, a chair squeaking or like a guitar fret slide. And the instrumental mm -hmm. palette is consistent enough track to track that you can imagine the same like pack of musicians sitting around him in the room he's performing in. Cause it is a room, not a stage. It, yeah. This is like anything I could ever want out of a folk album. It is, it's yeah, definitely. like groove, it has swing, it's romantic, it's so tragic at points. And it's all in this like super yeah. charming, subtle, so colorful, just never pretentious or like grandiose package. This is a no skipper album, easily one of the best things I've heard this year, like flat out. I can't yeah. praise this enough. All killer, no filler, just beautiful. And I do want to harp on the fact that this album sounds like it was recorded in a room. Not in a studio, not on a stage, just a room. And as silly as it sounds, there are some folk and singer-songwriter albums that lose sight of the like purity and the humanity of leaving things untouched like that. Letting the vocals echo on the walls, letting the imperfections, like you said, that chair squeak on Ultima Vez be. Uh, letting the acoustic spread in the space, it, it just all makes it feel so down-to-earth. And the beauty of it makes it feel so impactful in conjunction with that, like... You could be in the same room as him recording this and you'd have the yeah. exact same experience as listening to it. Which on is so rare that someone can transfer that quality that well. 
Yeah, and I, I want to, like, talk about his voice a little bit, like, in detail. It goes from just this, like, feathery, really light, beautiful falsetto that he can hold with still a yeah. lot of power to a deep and strong. And I want it. the word liquidy is what I come back to. Like, the middle range is so fluid. Can I can I bust a, a, an SAT word out on your ass? Sure. Mellifluous. Ooh, yes. It yeah, is that is that is that is a that is a that is the word that kept coming to mind because liquid is so is like such a good like it's like honey. It's like pouring honey. He's, yeah, exactly. It's so good. It makes the album like so approachable, but so like awesome in the literary term. Like it's so beautiful. You were talking about um, Ultima Vez, which mm -hmm. that one uh, really puts his vocals front and center because Another thing I love about this album is how there's barely a second where he's not saying anything. It yeah. is so, I was like reading the lyric sheet for this and he says so many fucking words on this album. He is, yeah. it is so lyrically dense. And Ultima Vez in particular is like probably the most like rambling and conversational song. Like it's, it, the focus is all on his storytelling. The elements of the instrumental like pull out and return subtly building and come down. And it's so effortlessly heartbreaking and so effortlessly sexy that mm -hmm. like it it works so perfectly i have a hard time with songs that are meant to be sexy like yeah. i i am very rarely like wow like i i am feeling that this song is really like sexual in an in an emotional sense like the, the the heat is really on but this is it really is like i'm trying to say this and not sound like horny <laughs> this song is like the, it it is it's impassioned in a very like sensual way, mm -hmm. and the effect is like unbelievable. Yeah, I want to like discuss Fossis. That is such an immediate standout. The movement of the vocals and the chorus is just so gorgeous, and the piano that swells delicately in the background. But then those strings and the acoustic guitar are so dominant the at the front. The it, strings on them like, are unreal. Yeah, the mixing on them is bonkers. The ending and the strings like serenading you. Oh, just a big chef's kiss. That one bar in the ending where his guitar strumming gets really aggressive for just like one second at the climax of the song. Yeah. I, I shit you not. This is not a joke. I genuinely felt like my heart rush when he did that. Mm -hmm. Like it's so unexpected, but like climaxes the song so perfectly. Yeah. Um, it's so good. On the lyrical front on this one, he says, I destroyed my, in Portuguese, he's Brazilian, he says, I destroyed my old self for me. I buried God in the backyard in the garden. I killed my mother, my father, and then forgave myself. We are all alive. I don't know what he's talking about there. The song is like talking about him going through different phases of his life and like yeah. becoming different people. But it's just such stark and bizarre imagery that it really caught me. Yeah. There, there are even tracks like like Mayu's twenty six, mm -hmm. which is like it's it is it's about him turning twenty six. Yeah, um, there are more like pure ballads and have less instrumental movement, but they are made worth your time just by Tim's vocals. The Mayu's twenty six was the one where the bass like really caught my attention. It's so like yeah. watery on mm -hmm. that one. I really like that song. Yeah, and even when it for like the more I think the most poppy cut. The two most poppy cuts that I can think of would be uh, Falta and Ballad of Tim Bernardis. It's really funny because on Ballad of Tim Bernardis, he 
on on uh on Mystificar, mm-hmm. um he has a line where he says he believes in the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And then um Ballada de Tim Bernardes is so Paul McCartney. Like this yeah. it's just so like the 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 la 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 bridges, it's all like fucking obla di obla da, like white album Paul all the way. It's um, so sweet. I love it. When he breaks into like the the chorus line, like on uh, the I'm gonna uh Ervo Voltar. Uh, mm-hmm. the effect is like, oh my god, I'm like, it's like a, a cloud expanding over my head. Uh, his his control of the emotional modes of his voice is so good. Speaking of emotional modes, Olha, Olya. That was maybe my favorite track. It's huge. It's huge and it's heartbreaking. It is yeah. so plaintive and pining and like all of it, it feels like like begging somebody for a second chance it is it's it's all piano and string when he goes into his lower register he lets his voice get some grit which is like wow i i didn't know you could do that um yeah it's 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 really really good yeah um realmente lindo was my other favorite um Mm -hmm. the the sense of push and pull on that one and Mm. then this is the one where i had that moment with the production trick because the reverb effect he uses on the acoustic guitar to make it like grow and then disappear like to build tension and then just like dramatically take it away it's it's so good the vocal heights on the pre-chorus of that one just it is like serotonin shot straight to my brain velha amiga is like fucking john mayer john mayer was good the rhythm that he's strumming in the word that kept coming to me while i was listening to this is timeless like you could show this to someone 50 years ago and they'd get the exact same like you'd get the exact same reaction Yeah, exactly. Like this this is the kind of album that makes you want to like yell from the rooftops and be like you need to hear this. Like it is such an affirming album. Mystificar itself um which I was talking about earlier, he gets mm-hmm. to do like um he gets to do like a Frank Sinatra rat pack thing. Mm-hmm. Um like out of nowhere and it, it builds to like this Latin jazz background. He's pulling in like total like Milton Nascimento uh and like uh, bossa nova like all this like like tradition not traditional but like classic brazilian music like getting brought into the fold on some of these songs but like applying it to the sounds of like grizzly bear and fleet foxes and other like modern folk and like suvian stevens even i would say like all these like modern folk icons like he's adding his like like his own background and then his like his own like immutable presence on top of that yeah um it's so good that track has like sort of a fairy tale romance to it it's very well named and i think that the like very the swirling strings and the bass and all of it dropping out to have only him at some point makes me think of it in terms of like orpheus in the glade yeah it's so pure and uh the harmonizing with the trumpets oh if you told me that Orpheus sounded like this, I would believe you. Oh yeah, it, it feels like I'm being surrounded by like butterflies and lifted up to heaven. It's just yeah, beautiful. his the vocals. You're absolutely right about the vocals syncing up with the trumpets. That like that was like another jaw drop moment. Just mm-hmm. it's so good. Um, the glissando strings on BB. BB is such a tease because it's like two minutes long, and I could listen to another five like easily. Yeah. Like you could just keep that groove going. Um, and then the closer. Um, is just like it, we're talking about all these elements like the string and the brass and the drums and everything and the bass, but the closer is just him and a guitar. It's so and sparse. It, it's nothing mind blowing. It's just sweet and simple and kind, and reassuring. And then the record ends with the sound of him of like frets sliding, and you could hear him put the guitar down. 
mm-hmm. and it's like it's like yeah that's exactly how this should have ended like yeah you, yeah you figured it out exactly and he ends with the lyrics um baby don't cry you're already what you wanted to be which just i it's so this this record's so good i can't yeah. say enough good things about this yeah I, I feel like we could sit here for another hour and just discuss like the minutiae of every single track that we liked because there's there was so much to pick apart and so much to enjoy. And I, I really feel like the word affirming and like buoyant is what I want to say about this. It is so, even in those really gravelly cuts where it's more pained and dramatic, there's always the assurance that you're coming out of it a better, like it, it feels like I'm coming out of these songs a more well-rounded individual. You know what I mean? Like it it feels yeah. like growth, the album. No, I, I totally agree. And, but I would even like say that buoyant and affirming, like it, that's underselling it. Like it definitely is. I, I know, I know everything that you're saying because I've heard the album, but like saying this album is buoyant is it like I can say that and it's not enough. Like I, I, I words really can't describe most of what this sounds like. I, I can't, it's hard for me to, like, when I say my heart literally rushed at various points on this album, like, that never happens to me, and it, I was just so swept away by this. Yeah, this this knocked me on my ass, and then helped me back up, and fed me and housed me. Yeah, it was really good. Absolutely fantastic. Do not miss this one. Uh, okay, next up is Robo Cobra Quartet with Living Isn't Easy. Tried on so I feel a need to contextualize this band. Go for it. Because they are fairly small. Um, they are a British band who kind of exist in the post-rock, post-punk, jazz rock kind of sphere. And I knew of them from their album, Music for All Occasions, which is their 2016 record. And that one's much more, I would say, on the post-rock side, but I felt like they had so much potential in the kind of aggression that they have in that. Like, the vocalist has always had this big edge to him and uh the lyrics have always been very bare bones but tell a story and i was just excited to see what they came out with next and this to me feels like the fulfillment of basically what i wanted out of them the opener track flew close is a very good opener for this type of album it reminds me a lot of day without end by proto martyr off their recent album it's just a constant build. It's the tone setter that introduces the themes of the album, which in this case is that life is kind of unfair and that you get shot down, whether you're an observer or the one that it happens to. The way that the sax like couples up with the vocals on the back half and then it all diverges to go on its own is so compelling to me. And it also really shows you how large of a band this is. I believe it's eight. No, not eight. It's six people. They have three sax players, um, and uh, I think that they utilize the sax in a beautiful way off this album. This song, um, from, okay, so first off, because I'm not as huge on this album as you really didn't do it for me, but uh, first off, before I say things about it, I just want to acknowledge, I just want to give credit where credit is due. Robo Cobra Quartet is the best band name I've fucking ever heard in my entire life. It's awesome. And it's great because they're not even a quartet anymore. 
and also they their name does not sell anything about what they sound like. No, it sounds like it should be a ska band. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah, this is like a goof a goof band name, and it's not a goof band. Um, flew close. Uh, I love the sax performance on that song, and yeah. the the restraint displayed in the lyrics and guitar playing is awesome, and the vocals are so earnest that they're able to sell like the slow build of this track really, really well. I, yeah. I, I like this as an opener a lot. It got me pretty excited. Yeah. And then from there going into wellness, which is it's so deceptively upbeat and feels so tense in how like tight the playing is. Yeah. It's very, it's very Patrick Bateman. <laughs> yeah. It's this obsessive self-care that is not care at all because it is so neurotic. Yeah. Yeah, this album kills people a little bit. Yeah, the the uh, the closing line of mm, "We're so blessed in Britain," it really says it all. Like, yeah, it's this it's... first world capability to go crazy with privilege and preen yourself in like this narcissistic way. And that leads you right into wellness, which is so something. Yeah, it I love it a lot. Uh, it, the interplay between the sax and the drums and the vocals, the it, it, absolute... it's like this terse build groove on that song is so yeah. good like it it locks into like this it's it's almost funk like it, it is almost a funky song but then he goes on on record and he says it's 7 a.m i awake after having had on average seven hours and 41 minutes sleep i have analyzed my sleep over the years and found this is the perfect amount for me i often yeah. go to hide park take my shoes off and stare at the sun for 20 minutes and then he's talking about like his uh his urine ph yeah he's like measuring the ph of his pee and he's doing drugs at work because it calms his brain he has a quartz crystal and a himalayan salt lamp he's it helps to get rid of the harmful energy that's all around us from wi-fi and electricity goodness knows what it could be doing to my body yeah he's talking about how happy he is that there is activated charcoal that he can take shots of at his local <laughs> grocery store now yeah he's 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 really taking the piss yeah it's great this is a this is probably my second favorite song yeah. uh it's so funny because the walking drum line and like the bass line even in the sound of it there's this really bizarre banality that just makes him seem like a guy yeah like he's an insane guy but he's just a guy <laughs> yeah it feels like he has just it, it feels like painfully upright posture and like a bright white room to me like this seems like the kind of guy that you would walk into his house and it would be like modern and just completely like insane asylum chic yeah, I, I I love this song for how tight it is, and I think that you don't really get something that's tight like that until the back half of the album. Yeah, from Wellness, we go into Labyrinth, which is about the rat race, that kind of constant droll of doing the same thing and looking at the bright side, like healthcare and benefits and social mobility. I did not like this song. All of which should be givens, but aren't because of capitalism. So it's kind of a commentary on that. I think that the instrumental drags a little, um, if I'm being honest. But... It's very labyrinthine. Like, it certainly is what the title is saying and what it's talking about. It is in favor of the theme and how bleak the prospects are, like, in the song. It definitely suits that. But I don't know. This is kind of a case of me not really being sure if the theme can really save. Yeah, it doesn't justify it. Yeah. It's like being lost in a really boring corn maze. It's like a <laughs> corn maze, but the only thing in the corn maze is facts about corn. It feels like a concrete maze. Um, which it, it, I mean, I guess it definitely the vibe suits what it's trying to do, but I just don't think I'll go back to it. I do, however, really like the track Heaven. 
I I think that the kind of character portrait of a, a, this self-absorbed millionaire who's like religious out of convenience and he like bets it all on stocks and loses it. One line that I really, really enjoy on this is about taking nine months to create an image of himself with having a child. It really reminds me of a couple of things. It reminds me of Fight Club when the narrator and in the book Fight Club, when the narrator talks about how his father went around the country creating franchises with different women. Yeah. It's like it's it's looking at children as an investment. And uh, that also reminds me of I will once again mention Proto Martyr, different album, though, uh, the track My Children, just about how birthing a child into this world now is uh, it's a, a, a diminishing investment because the world is kind of going bad. Um, so I, I liked that. I Heaven was the other one that landed in my least favorites, unfortunately. Womp womp. Womp womp. I, so my main issue with this record was that I didn't feel like it had a ton of identity for itself. Because this is a pretty saturated market at the moment. Like this, this, uh, this brand of like jazz inflected post-punk, especially out of Britain. Like there's a lot of bands in this vein coming out of it right now. And I kept like hearing traces of other one um but especially squid i got a lot a lot a lot of squid off this album mm. and with heaven i thought it started okay but as it went on it just got more and more squid to me and by the end it was just like okay well i can just go listen to deep green field if i want to hear somebody do this yeah i i am also a huge squid enjoyer yeah uh, they're I, I'm a I'm a big fan of theirs, and I see the comparison, but I disagree that it's like inhibiting this album. Because for me, I go to Squid for more of the kraut rock. I go to yeah. them for the crazy noise elements, like on Boy Racers. Um, yeah, I go to them for the more unhinged vocal delivery. Yeah. versus here, it's much more buttoned up. And it feels like white collar. This is white collar post punk to me. This is this is like the yard act version of Squid to me. Um, heaven, heaven. I definitely got Squid from the vocals. Like that was really the primary part because I think the way he was like droning on the end of it, like ah, I really was getting the uh, I'm a man, an man, an man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I see uh, that. That was my impression of Kermit the Frog doing an impression of the guy of from Squid. Squidman. Yeah. Um, Splatoon joke here. Mm. Um, but the one track on this besides Wellness that really landed for me was Chromosud. Oh. That, the sax performance on this song? What Remarkable. the fuck? Where did this come from? I would love to hear them go more at this sound because this, like, really going hard on the sax and really going hard on, like, take the song stretch it out to nine minutes and just blister it the whole time yeah like the rush of pure catharsis on that outro like blew my brains out yeah like, I, the nine minute it's nine minutes long and it passes in a second because mm -hmm. i i'm just like so into it yeah um i if if i'm going to like become a fan of this band i think they need to push more on what makes chromosud and wellness so good and on like the, the 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 groove aspect and the 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 drive aspect and the jazz aspect because i think they have a lot of interesting things to say and lyrically um i just think the sound is like 
not there yet for like it's I, I don't I don't have enough of a push to listen to them over a squid or a black country new road or a sham yeah. just yet I personally adore this track too this is such a triumph to me um the sax is remarkable the solo and the use of it in the verses is just uh, incredible and it being paired in that solo with the synth underneath the keys and the driving drums creates like such a frenzied poignant energy and the lyricism on it one thing that i i do i love about this album is the lyrics they are so uh they're so sparing um, the repetition in this one of just a uh, shit house, shit flat, got keys, got out is it's very effective to me. And from there you start adding on, it feels like somebody trying to justify to themselves being unhappy when they are doing better than somebody else might like the line where he's like, some people don't even have enough to eat. Um, yeah, it, it, it just is, it's so bare, but it creates a very full story to me. It's, I just I am in love with the lyricism on this track, especially. It is the lyricism is for certain the absolute strongest and most consistent part of this. Mm. Um, but I mean, you know me, I'm I'm definitely a sound over lyrics person, ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, the the lyrics are for me the lyrics and also the fact that this is mostly completely sax focused and not going into any other weird like other instruments like on Squid being very crowdy and like a, yeah like electronic focused um i do think that having light synth work like on chromosod would have been better across the rest of the album i did also um, like the synth on um, on plant succulent blues yeah uh like those blasts of dark synth on that one yeah, they made definitely. it like weightier and more consequential than i felt a lot of the rest of the album was yeah i like plant um the lyrics on plant are cool as well uh just someone about feeling trapped by a plant that they bought presumably with somebody else who now they're trying to avoid and seeing the plant in their house and then seeing the plant the person outside it feels like they are unable to escape them yeah own shithead like, yeah lyrics about like uh the the opening lines about buying a plant and then um feeling like you're going to be hung by the boughs of it when it grows yeah are just it's so heavy um i love it um I also do want to, before we get to the next thing, just quick shout out to Micro Person because it made me laugh. It's very goofy and strange. That was probably my least favorite on the album, but it, I, it is I, it is strange. I didn't I didn't love it, but I just thought uh, the the way the hook was just like there he is. Yeah, there she yeah. is. Just the little the little guy. Yeah, um, a little guy. Kill more clothes. A little, a little man. A little man. Uh, Kill more clothes is cool as well. Uh, I think that the, I just I am a big fan of character portraits on this album. Uh, once again, white collar. It's just about some insufferable dude who's going on business trips and complaining about not being in good enough hotels. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I like imagining that that's the same guy as well. Yeah, but, yeah, like, exactly. It's like these two sides of him where he's like this white collar businessman and also like snorting crystals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but then the track "Night" is the only really like optimistic point on this album. The lyrics are a lot more like inwardly contemplative, talking about the like a dog being put down for biting when that's what it's bred to do. Yeah, um, it's optimistic in like the only way that this album allows it to be, which is to mm -hmm. say that human nature is what it is, but the future is what centers us. Possibility is what leaves life bearable, and I think that that's a really good choice for a closer because it kind of yeah. recontextualizes the rest of the album and the characters on it. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I'm a big I'm a big uh, enjoyer of this album. There are a couple of moments that I think are less strong, 
But overall, I think that it's worth a listen if you're into this style of music. You you probably will get more out of it than me if you are if you are more along the the, the Megan style of yeah um, likers of post punk, post punk post rock. I'm your girl. Okay, next up we have Viagra Boys with Cave World. And the punishments they'll face, but things they would play out much different back in the time when we were apes. Good lord, speaking of character portraits. Yeah, um, this is probably one of the funniest albums that I've heard in a very long time. This, this goes stupid. Um, it's, I'm not, it's hilarious. I'm not in love with it. It still has like some of the things that have held me back from really loving uh, Viagra Boy's mu- music in the past. Yeah. But this album is apeshit, for lack of a better word. Which is funny because monkey mode, you know? Yeah, you're really going monkey mode on this one. Yeah. Baby Criminal, the the opener track, uh, you compared to um, Era Vulgaris, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really prepared for like how accurate that comparison was going to be. Yeah. Um, it's a really good song, and it doesn't sound like anything they've done before. It totally, like, even the way that he's like yelling the hook, sounds a little bit Josh Homme. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah. yeah it the the uh, the Quatsa undercurrent on this is definitely strong to me. I didn't uh, hear it the whole way through. I think it kind of lost that midway through. For I me, will say least. it didn't. Uh, it didn't lose it because I think it shifted albums. I could hear uh, <laughs> Air Vulgaris in some areas, and I could hear like um, the really driving moments on like Clockwork, like My God Is the Sun, in some areas, and I could hear like uh, some some parts of Rated R. But uh, I don't mind that at all. I, I love Quasa, so it's not a problem for me. I think that an easy comparison here, like as far as peers, is that there's a good degree of commentary being made here, but it's set in a very fun way through character portraits and it doesn't feel overbearing. Yeah. Versus an album like, say, Wide Awake by Parquet Courts, which is punk adjacent album that's heavily based this time in social commentary. But this one requires a lot less like Googling and it's grounded much more in like yeah. the layman's experience with the internet and less in theory and politics and activism. You read these, like, that's the thing is that it's not really an activist album. It's no. an album that's like, I've met this guy and I'm pissed off about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> troglodyte. is I, so funny. I love I that album. Loved troglodyte. I loved Troglodyte. I loved Troglodyte as a single. I was so into it. The lyrics are really funny um the the way he sells like the charisma with which he sells them is like so good the the synth the synth presence on the song is really good like i really like it for the song but also it's just like yeah you can't see me but i'm like doing a funny little dance right now and like even (laughs) even the synth is funny like yeah it's really good and then I spun it on my oh Jesus, I sound like a prick. I played it on my radio show the day the day of the Uvalde school shooting. And the lyric I was like listening to the I was like vibing and then I was listening to the lyrics as I was playing this and I was like, oh my God, they're like This is relevant. It is like really relevant. It is brutal. It is like not holding back anything in its portrayal of this character. Yeah. Um and like 
after something like that happening, it's like difficult to listen to because like, yes, it is ridiculous. Yes, it is like completely out there. It is so topical. It's also right. Like it's also right. And it's also like true, like unexaggeratedly true. Like this guy exists. The biggest example of that and the most absurd example of that is Creepy Crawlers. That song is a... I I liked it in the context of the album, but I think it's a little formless for me to listen to casually, but I think it does a lot to add to the manic energy. Yeah, and I that one is interesting too because it was inspired directly by a Channel 5 News YouTube video, which is the guy from All Gas, No Breaks. Oh my god! Yeah, which is his him going to a QAnon rally, and this is like directly inspired by somebody's rant in there. Um, it totally makes sense, and it also is sort of, like, it, it's, in order to make an album like this that so directly shit talks specific character portraits, you have to understand them inside out. And it becomes sort of a self-own that Mr. self like, Mr. Viagra evidently has, like, terminal internet brain rot, too. So it is kind of funny, and it, it is a very specific brand of internet consumer who would make this album. The way that Creepy Crawlers keeps, like, lyrically one-upping itself is so funny. Like, there's little kids growing up with animal hair. Some of them are growing up with tails. Maybe even two tails. (laughs) They're putting little microchips... They're putting putting little microchips in the vaccines. They're putting little Creepy Crawlers in the microchips. (laughs) It's just, like, upping the ante. Yeah, until at the Uh, end we're going into adrenochrome and, like, the liberals being babies... They're harvesting the kids who've been they're they're tracking the kids who've been vaccinated, but they're hard kids who are unvaccinated. Like it's so like this is how these people talk. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I liked Ain't No Thief as a single. Yeah, that one's really good. And once again, I love it even more in the track listing. The lyrics are hilarious, and the instrumental style is really nice. Where like the bass drops out, and it gets really terse and high and sharp to accent the line. I ain't no thief. This is a primo because it is a lie. This is a primo <laughs> chuckle fuck ramble. It's yeah. so funny, like, he's just, he clearly stole this lighter, and he's, like, just denying the yeah. entire song that he that he did. And the, top, the one where he, he steals the grandma's jacket, <laughs> um, it, it's like, it, it gives off the completely undeserved swagger of, like, a pathological liar. Uh, it, it's, it's just perfect. It's so funny to um, put this more, like, mundane and ridiculous, annoying guy in the middle of all these, like, fascists and conspiracy theories. Like, this is a much more, like the annoying guy at your work thing. Yeah. But, like, it somehow fit. Like, I can believe any of these people are the same person. Like, this, yeah, they exactly. also would do this. I would say that the next one that I, like, that really, really, really grabbed me is the close. Yes. Return to yep. Monkey. Return to Monkey is an amazing closer, I gotta say. A song called Return to Monkey with... Because it is, I, I do feel the need to to emphasize that it is not called it, Return to it Monkey. It is M-O-N-K-E. It is Return to Monkey. Yeah. If the song is called that, it's six and a half minutes long and it is your closer. <laughs> this better be the most apeshit thing on the album. And, uh, and it yeah, is. they certainly delivered that. Um, it's, it's a really like effective thesis for all the themes throughout the album. And the chorus is so infected, like infectious. I, and the instrumental has like a perfect balance between heaviness and danceability. This is like the moment on um, the Bob Villain album where like the guitar syncs up with the vocals on the closer. And it's like, oh my God, I yeah. need to be in a pit beating the shit out of people right now. Yeah, exactly. And this song is like, 
I this song fills me with a deep need to be in a pit screaming, leave society, be a monkey, just like over and over again. <laughs> yeah. The the uh the switch down into the sax is really nice and clean. But then the lyric, a murder happens in Japan, and like cleaning it up is too prescient. Yeah. I listened to this the what? I listened to this the day of of President Abe. Shinzo murder. Abe was assassinated like the week after this dropped, and then the lyrics are about like a murder happens in Japan. It's it's like it's too it's much. Did Viagra boys assassinate? Very very strange. <laughs> Minister. Uh, the ending bit about monkeys killing each other too reminds me a little bit of the opening to 2001 A Space Odyssey where the monkeys like learn to murder for the first time and I thought that was kind of cool. Can I read the his his uh, like his statement on Return to Monkey? Yes. I saw a meme that was just a picture of a monkey and it said Return to Monkey spelled like that. I love meme culture mm-hmm. and especially that meme. So simple and so strong. I imagined us playing live and I pictured people in the crowd completely losing it and turning into monkeys, <laughs> flying all over the place, throwing shit, taking off their clothes. It was inspired by Rage Against the Machine as well. I wanted to create a song that people could sing along to, like chanting in a cult. The phrase leaves society, be a monkey, is just taking the piss out of the people who think the world is a big conspiracy against them. Maybe they should just leave. I will say this song did uh, run a bit tiring for me because they did the the fucking vaccine computer line for like the fourth time on the album. Like, OK, I get it. Like, get a new way to say yeah. this. But like the song is so apeshit that I end up not caring. Yeah, I think that there were a couple moments that I thought that were it was just like kind of I was like, what? the big one for me was the song ADD. Um, yeah the were not as clever as they could have been and it went for a really easy chorus which is just repeating I, attention deficit disorder. I, we both are adhd i mean i i am diagnosed yeah you are, you are on your way there almost certainly and, <laughs> like it stings a little worse than it ordinarily would because like i kind of like the feelings that he's saying i can relate to where he's like can't find my keys can't find my headphones can't find a reason for me to keep on uh i see you talking but i cannot hear a thing uh and then his his like his commentary on this song uh he says like i'll leave the house without my keys or put something down and forget it or someone sends me an important email i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna answer this and then i never do it's about this inability to do menial tasks i just can't motivate myself to do the easiest thing in the world which like yeah that's a really frustrating feeling that i've felt for my entire life but Mm -hmm. then yeah like it has the least interesting progression on the album it has this irritating chorus and like he has the line where he's like, I cannot function without my amphetamine, which like, shut up, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up right now. Yeah. Um, Like I, I like as someone who takes like Adderall, which is saying shut the fuck up, like stop, yeah. like just stop. It is it's an irritating song. Uh, I also wasn't huge on Punk Rock Loser, which I had honestly forgotten existed as a single um, because the vocal on this one has the kind of like sluggish and like emotionally detached style that is like the exact thing that stopped me from really loving Viagra Boys before this. Like I'm okay with some of the things going on around it, but when he's just like existing in this space and trying to deliver normal lyrics, I'm not into it. Uh, My favorite Viagra Boys song before this album was their song Sports from Streetworms, which is the stupidest fucking song in the world. Uh, if I can quote some of the incredible lyrics, he goes, <clears throat> ready? Are you ready? Basketball, volleyball, wiener dog, sports. That's my, that's my impression of that song. That's, a, that's yeah. That's and he, he's doing the voice that he does on punk rock loser, which makes it even funnier. 
but like if you're just delivering normal lyrics in that vocal style which he is for most of the time on other albums i just don't like i can't i does nothing for me yeah i didn't mind this one um it reminded me of turning on the screw off fair vulgaris uh-huh. with the criticism that it has for like this kind of poser guy yeah. um also with the delivery and the instrumental style with it sort of being a little more like lumbering yeah. um this criticism of like substance dependence being conflated with punk rock is not new like think the, he, the, the entire straight edge movement he is talking about himself on that because he did have a speed addiction at one point so yeah. his it is autobiographical to a point um yeah but i i do agree with you to a point there as well it, it the i like the kind of additional angle of him being like oh, i'm not like other guys though uh <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the joke i'm not like other boys like insert awful trait yeah. here like i'm not like other boys i murder people who make me angry like shit like that <laughs> um do you want to talk about big boy uh yeah big boy i thought that it was uh i was a little nervous for it, it at first because i thought that it was a little bit dragging at the front and then at the end it, like the drum machine kicks in and the shitty little falsetto backing vocals <laughs> and it really made it for me i, I um, found this song so baffling i don't hate it but i feel like it's missing like one killer element to bring the whole thing together and i couldn't tell you what that is but like yeah he's just like wailing for the first half of it yeah and then a trap beat comes in and then this is our second for the podcast incredibly baffling appearance from the front man of sleaford mods he showed true he, he showed up on the closer of alex cameron's mediocre album earlier yes, this year yeah. I, I don't know why this is a thing now but i kind of wish he had showed up earlier in the track or took vocal duties for the whole thing because that like groove change at the very end with the keys is a huge tease for me. I would have loved if like they were doing yeah. that for more of the song. But as it is for me, I'm just very confused by this. I don't I'm, I'm not like anti it, but like I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, that's basically all there is yeah. for me to say about this. This song. is a fun punk album with some really insane politics and some really insane character portraits. Um yeah. it is uh, uh there's a lot of personality here that's that's the biggest selling point of it yeah i was honestly a little bit shocked that not not to say i put any real stock in fantano's reviews but to see that he gave this a strong nine is actually a little bit nuts yeah that's crazy i i honestly like i i liked this well enough and i don't i don't think it's a strong nine um no. i i guess it just like spoke to him and i i respect that yeah Maybe he wants to return uh, to Monkey. Maybe Fantano. Maybe, maybe Fantano and his big fucking thighs should should head out to the wilderness and and embrace Monkey. I do. Whenever he this is this is like why I don't watch much of him because I sometimes he rates my favorite albums and I disagree, and then he rates another album that I think is just okay as like a strong nine, <laughs> and it makes me want to kill him a little bit. But you know, um, it's it's funny because I feel the same way. Um, but I mean, I guess he's entitled to his opinion, whatever. Yeah, it's just honestly, it's just the numerical rankings that make it so much more intense, I, which is why I don't rank things numerically. I just I just think he's crazy for giving that <laughs> spelling, oh, spelling spellings uh, the turning wheel. I thought that yeah. one was just like too much, too much going on. Next up is going to be More Mother with Jazz Codes. And it wasn't the drugs, it was never the drugs. What they can do to you is stronger than any drug. It's the weight of the southern breeze. 
You start. This is our final album for today, yes? It is, yes. I loved this. This was really, really good. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. And I think it's a really good entry point for me personally, because I came into this looking to enjoy it from a rap perspective, right? Like my, my, I, I've been a More Mother fan for a bit, but um, my primary, like my big two records with her have been um, Black Encyclopedia of the Air, which is her, her solo album prior to this. Mm-hmm. which is much more of like a, a it's like shadowy and smoky and mysterious, but it is very record. And then um, Brass, which is her collaboration with uh, her full length collab album with uh, with Billy Woods, which if you haven't heard that, you should check that one out because that is an incredible album, one of the best of the year. And it snuck in in like December 23rd, they released something. Yeah. Like, like oh, oh, the list is just fucked now. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are my big two with her. And they are both like rap focused albums and 700 Bliss was to a degree as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was I was looking to enjoy this album from a rap perspective. And then I went in that door and I left from the jazz door with like, a, yeah, with like a weird I felt like a weird smile on my face. Like, oh, that's not what I expected to get out of this. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, th- not... I think this might be a bit of a jazz keystone for me. And I think that's pretty neat. Like this might that is, like yeah. really get it. The mixture on some tracks of like industrial percussion with like really strong jazz instrumental is a really unique approach. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off of 700 Bliss, this album is so much calmer than I expected. I was, I stopped taking notes at some point because I was just being lulled by it. It was really nice. I I had listened to this directly after the Jur album and I felt like I was being (laughs) a bomb for the soul. Yeah, it was literally healing. Um, Just like jazz in it is like radical politics in like the opposite, like the exact opposite direction. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, The jazz in this is like almost ambient with how it's mixed and arranged. It's so smooth while remaining still experimental and very like abstract. Like, it's like deconstructed down tempo like it's very cool her her lyrics on this record sometimes they're like more motifs for texture than they are really deep but when she does decide to like deep dive into a topic it's always spectacular like every time like literally Mm -hmm. like track after track either she's the texture of what she's saying is fantastic or the substance of what she's saying is fantastic like she can do Mm -hmm. both modes so well um yeah in the spirit of this album as like a celebration and an embrace and like almost like a futurization of jazz the mm-hmm. collaborative aspect of this record is so good like mm-hmm. it, it is a more mother branded solo project but she seeds a lot of time like guest instrumentalists and guest vocalists and i think yeah. the album is like all the stronger and more atmospheric and more like it feels like a little community of people came together to make this yeah this this album is an artist co-op yeah no totally like like without a without like even joking she does a lot of things like that like she has yeah like she she manages a space in in north philly that has like that vibe like that's exactly like it's it's an artistic collective and co-op yeah like that's 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 what she does like it's it's... and the politics on the album it checks out like yeah she's all about that and it really um i i want to mention the closer as a uh a contextualizer for what this album is saying about jazz i love the combo of noise jism into that outro because like yeah it like dissolves and completely breaks down the sound of the album just totally like fucks it with noise the only time they do that on the whole record and then rein it back in for this outro 
Yeah, where the outro is basically uh, someone, I'm not sure who this person is, but I'm sure he's significant. Um, somebody discussing the origins of jazz and how jazz has been colonized by the capitalist and sort of like, because jazz is a more difficult uh sound to colonize because it is so free and so unexpected in a lot of ways that it's it's been allowed to he says resurrect like lazarus and when it does we celebrate it but we've lost sight of the fact that jazz as a word used to mean sex and it it was a form of like musical coitus and it's supposed to be something beautiful like a coupling of people to to create something gorgeous and that really 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 checks out with what we're saying about the co-op aspect of this his his equating of jazz with uh like sex and fertility and like fecundity yeah. in particular like the act of creating life is like the the act of improvisation as imperative to being alive like it's yeah, it's exactly. really really neat stuff um, I'm not sure what this is sampled from. I, I I could not, I don't know who Thomas Stanley is. I was trying to find that out because everybody else on this record is Googleable, but I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't find who this person was. And I'm really curious because this is a, this is like real poetry. I liked it a lot. Definitely. Yeah. So there's so many highlights on, on this album because this is, it's not that long an album. It's like 40 minutes. It has mm-hmm. like almost 20 tracks because so many of the songs are like, almost sketches but they still feel so complete mm-hmm. like i loved um the opener umzansi um when uh when she settles like more mother and mary Lattimore is not a match i would have ever expected but her like ramblings over the harp work in the background is like mm-hmm. an amazing contrast and when she settles in the harp settles into like this repeating pattern and then she settles into this like locked in groove where she says quantum black in the moment like over and over again yeah it's like that shouldn't be something that's beautiful but it is it's it really is so so gorgeous it reminds me a lot of the one beyonce music video where it's it's i think it's the carters it's both of them where they bring in um, is that where they're in the Louvre? All black, yes, an all yeah. black crew of dancers into the Louvre to sort of like reclaim this as yeah. something where they're allowed to be there and they are the art. They're in front of it and it, they're taking over it. And it really this reminds me of that in in the presentation. Lyrically, she's directly equating um, just like North Philly uh, existing as it is as a poor, primarily black area mm-hmm. with aerospace futurism. Like these are the yeah. same thing. There is no difference between them. Um, yeah, I also love like she plays with past and future on this album a lot. But I also love that um, the title of the song Umzansi is a reference to um, it's a form of Zulu war dance. Um, mm. if, if you know what the Hakka is like, it's kind of like the vibes are kind of like that. But it's very um, it's very ac- I was watching videos of it. It's very acrobatic. Like there's a couple guys who will like come out in front and do like insane flips and like mock fight as they dance. And everyone oh, else wow. is like creating the rhythm. And the sound of this track is pulling, like the drum machines on Umzansi is pulling directly from um, Chicago footwork music, which is like this really spare and futuristic and like abstract form of dance music that Mm. like equating those two like explodes my mind. That's such a fucking dope comparison. Yeah. Um, This this album, on the note of the the sort of like coitus comparison, uh the the fact that the instrumental palettes 
they are so unique track to track, but also the movement of them flows together so nicely from track to track to where it's not jarring. It feels like changing positions to me. Like yeah. it's so, it's that... so perfect and it flows and it feels intimate and beautiful. And I'm just, I'm so enthralled by that comparison. That's a really good comparison. And I hadn't thought of that. I love um, the combo of dust together into rap jasm. Um, mm-hmm. I love more mother whenever she's back in her like rap mode, her voice is incredible. And then Akai solo who is this rapper that I've, I have, I know a couple things from him, but I haven't really like, I haven't gone into his discog much. I think he may have been on. Oh yeah. He's on shrines by Arm and hammer. Oh, um, he appears okay. on the song parables, which is really good. Um, and he, he, she passes the mic to him in a, like in the way the song was going, it doesn't sound like there's about to be a feature on it. And mm-hmm. then he just picks up and he delivers this breathless verse for the entire rest of the track. It's really long and it's a crazy verse. He covers ground because he references both Sun Wukong and Total Drama Island. Like he's mm-hmm. just like coming from all angles at this. And it really likes his verse a lot. Yeah. And the, the transition from Dust Together to Rap Jasm is very, very smooth. Like, like one comes right out of the other. And like, I know that the, the changing positions, like you're talking about like the individual tracks, like when there's a break, it picks back up in a very smooth manner. Um, but it, it almost feels like, and again, trying not to be horny here. It's like you've locked into a groove, you know, like you've, you've found something that works and then like pushing it to the max, like as far as it'll go. Yeah. This is not the white people horny about the more mother album hour. Do not get it twisted. This album no, rules. This is- this album does rule. I'm I'm into this. That's I basically have said all I have to say about this. It's just very experimental and experiential in a lot of ways. So I I recommend that you give it a try and let it wash over you. Shout out to Arms Save. That is my favorite track. And that one is uh the verse on that one that she repeats twice is super, super good. Okay. And now on to our singles, which we are gonna have to speed run. Blister, <laughs> blister run, let's do it. Let's do it. First single slash EP is City Hag with Nothing New Under the Sun EP. This is our best friend Gutter Punk. Woo! We lo- woo! Love Gutter Punk. Um, this I thought was really neat. I liked, in the same way that I love the drum presence on uh, Punk Everlasting, I liked the guitar presence on here. It's very mobile. Um, it goes a lot of places. Uh, overall, I like this. I thought that it just kind of was a, a good thing to sit with it's only 10 minutes too it's pretty brief yeah if you want to check this one out go for it it's just 10 minutes i got a little uh lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax and study to on a couple tracks but it kind of like hits a groove in the center of it where it's really good for like a solid five minutes and i was just like i really liked it for that bit yeah next up is hefner with bends of light who are some of my besties love hefner this Um, is a this is a a local band for us this is an athens athens group that is just starting to pop off and uh, they're coming out with a new album soon, and I'm very, very excited for it because the single goes hard. Yeah, I, I saw them live somewhere. I can't even remember, like a while ago. And I didn't I, I didn't super remember. Like, I, I just couldn't remember anything about the set. But um, this song, like, kind of I was like, oh, whoa, OK. Uh, it's it's very uh, progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm into this. It's pretty good. Looking forward to reviewing their album. Uh, next up is Gorillas with Cracker Island featuring Thundercat. Uh, I am the certified Gorillas enjoyer of this podcast. They are my favorite yep. group ever. 
Plastic Beach is my favorite album of all time. And I'm very, very sad about not liking this song because it seems to be getting like rapturous reception from everybody else. Yeah, I'm not rapturous about it by any means. I thought it was entertaining, but it's not something I would really be scrambling to go back to. Um, Next up is... I was just going to say, it's. I like the bass line, but it is very repetitive. Like, it really just kind of does the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I didn't think Thundercat had, like, a as big of a presence on it as he normally would. <laughs> Next up is Death Dynamic Shroud with Messi D Day E 102. Elon Musk ass name there. I mean, it's French, so I don't know what <laughs> that implies about Elon Musk, but... <laughs> <laughs> I diagnose Elon Musk with French. I thought this was interesting. This is actually my first exposure to DDS. Um, yeah, I don't blame which is you. Kind of tragic because I know that they have some some hits. Their music is very inaccessible because a lot of it is locked behind like a subscription service paywall that they do. They have like a like a list like a record club they call it, and like you get their releases every month if you subscribe because it's like Weird. twelve guys and they all just are making shit constantly. That one album with all the eyes on the cover is on Spotify, though, and you should check it out. It's really, really good. Yeah, that's the one that I need to check out. But I thought this was interesting. It was a little bit more, like, uh, subdued than I thought it would might be, but it yeah. was cool. Yeah, this is a really good one. I, uh, I'm i very curious if this is a lead-up to an album. Uh, and if it is, I'll definitely be t- giving it a shot, because these guys breathe more life into Vaporwave than I have heard in years. Yeah. Uh, next up is The Wonder Years with Wyatt's song. Oh, this- I didn't know that... People were still making this kind of music. <laughs> this blew my tits clean off. I uh, did not care for this at all. I'm so sorry. This it, like it's just I'm past the time in my life where I'm willing to accept music that sounds like this. I think this is pop punk, but I definitely have always felt that Wonder Years take a much more adult approach to music like this than other bands do. Um, and yeah, this blew my tits clean off. That's all I have to say about it. I'm excited for this I album. Mean- uh, next up is going to be Chance the Rapper with the highs and lows featuring Joey Badass. Um, this is pretty good, but I think it's really funny because Chance is in full on like bounce back mode now because like yeah. he's like the big uh, day was so tragic. He's like trying to catch himself on his back leg and stand back up because this is so like directly like his sound. Like this is what people go to Chance the Rapper for. He's like, yeah. I'm still good, guys. Don't forget. Yeah, uh, I liked it though. Uh, yeah, I thought it was okay. It didn't strike me as like anything. I really hated Joey Badass's like uh, ad libs on it. Oh, I was fine with them. As always, I'm an ad lib hater, so that's just me. But uh, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce this next one. Uh, sub- uh, subtract. Subtract with Bodman Moore. Uh, I didn't. I genuinely, for some, I don't know why I thought this. I just thought that we would never get more subtract music ever because he his last album was 2014. Uh, and I really love it. It's called Wonder Where We Land. It's like mm-hmm. funky UK. Can I say post dubstep without sounding like a bitch? Y- you can. It's like kind of like Mount Kimby, but a little dubstep year and a little like more dancey. Yeah. He gets like freak ass features too, like um, Little Dragon and Rory and Sampha and Caroline Polachek and Ezra Koenig and ASAP Ferg, just like crazy features to be on these yeah. weird ass songs. Um, I will note that subtracts uh, New York, New York, with is uh, my favorite thing Ezra Koenig has ever done, and the only thing I'll ever listen to regularly. <laughs> this was cool. Uh, it was a little different than 
what I expected going in. I don't know what I expected because I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah. But either way, I still found it pretty exciting and I liked listening to it. I'm excited to see what this leads up to. Yeah, this was cool. I like how many phases it went through. And uh, I love the album cover. Like, I don't know yeah. what it is. It's just so cool. The cover's cute. Uh, next up is Young the Giant with Wake Up. They're back. They made it. I This is a jarring to me because the only experience I have with Young the Giant is like, old school radio play of yeah. them from their album in like 2010 yeah and now next thing i see of them is they're making an ep that's a concept album that's like influenced by hindu music it's, and hindu imagery i'm like what the fuck it's not an ep i was gonna maybe put the ep on for next week but it's actually they're doing the Haley williams kevin abstract thing orville peck thing where they're releasing the album in chunks as eps Okay. So there will be a finished like product of this at one point. There's gonna be four EPs, and it is based on um the the Hindu like cycles of the universe. Uh it is uh this is a crazy ass concept. Um and I hope I hope they, they can stick the landing on this one because this is like a thing that I think only they could do. Like this is this is like sort of with the conceptualness of Home of the Strange and the pop sense of Mirror Master that I think really only this band could be capable of doing well and sticking the landing on. Um, yeah. This song is really good. I'm into this. I thought it was cool. It was a very dynamic and I thought the instrumental choices were cool with the sort of underlying but not really overwhelming, like, I guess, uh, like Indian instruments. Yeah. It was cool. Uh, I was into it. Yeah, very cool. I love the way he delivers the hook. Mm -hmm. Once again, with hooks for you. You were here before in a different body. I can't hit that note. It's too low. Next up is Jazz Emo with Still Waiting. What emo. did you think of emo. this? Jazz, Jazz emo, emo, Still Waiting. My man, Jazz Emu, please tell me what you thought of this. I've been dying to know. It is wacky. It um, is so wacky. It, it's a... Uh... Yeah, I didn't expect anything out of this, um, but it, it, you were on the money when you said that it sounds like Lemon Demon in some ways. Yeah. Um, I forgot exactly how I, uh, what I compared it to. Um, let me see. Oh, I said, I said it sounds like it reminds me of Elton John and the guy from Everything Everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty wacky vocally. Um. And he is very British, so I'm glad that you just smashed two British men together. Um, yeah. uh, but he he does like lemon demon comedy tunes with like serious like synth funk songwriting rather than like I think the songwriting can kind of fall flat on some lemon demon things. Um, mm -hmm. He's insane. He's like genuinely just a fucking insane person. Uh, I, I really just want to shout him out because my girlfriend and I have been obsessed with him for the last few months. He He's a, a goddamn lunatic. Um, this song's really good, and it gets stuck in my head so easily. Mm -hmm. All right, next up is Glaive with Minnesota is a place that exists. Uh, best song title of the episode. Yeah. You're, you're right, buddy. It's true. I have, once again, another uh, kind of unhinged uh comparison okay i said the glaive song sounds a little to me like simple plan does synth pop and i don't know why and then <laughs> i said the melody of it makes me think of the simple plan scooby-doo theme do you mean that in a good way or a bad way i think a good way <laughs> yeah i was i was i was definitely pretty into this i thought it was fun 
Yeah, it was it was cool. I I'm kind of used to Glaive being a little bit more hyper pop and a little less normal pop. Yeah. Um, and this one was pretty pretty just pop to me. I'm glad we've reached a point in the hyper pop like genre expansion that um he that artists like that made their brand with like pure hyper pop like Glaive can feel like they can do stuff like this. Like I I'm just into that because it definitely still has that hyper pop tinge to it. Um, yeah. But like, as we get more artists like underscores and like um, Gex's new stuff, um, I, I just get happier and happier about the way that this genre is evolving. Yeah, hyperpop is in a very cool space right now. I'm excited to see it developing. All right, next up is Joey Badass with "Where I Belong." Uh, pretty good. I'm fine with it. It was whatever. I didn't really think anything about it. Um, I mostly just wanted to put this here to talk about how insane the album cycle for this one has been. Uh, mm. Because he announced a release date and then it didn't come out on that date. And he was like, sorry, I didn't clear any of the samples. Uh, which, why would you not do that before announcing the release date? Like, clear the samples yeah. and then when they're all cleared, set a date. Like, that feels like the logical thing for me to do it's supposed to be like the 10 year follow-up of his album 1999 it's gonna be called 2000 um yeah which i just don't fucking know it's so bizarre um song's fine i'm mildly excited to see what this album is like yeah i don't really have anything to say about this one that really passed me by completely <laughs> <laughs> um next up is loyal Carner with hate uh what'd you think of this I also think I was kind of just not in like a like a rap space because this yeah. one passed me by a little bit as well. Um, the intro of it reminded me of another artist, and I think I'm gonna die if I don't think about who it is right now. Um, give me two seconds. I'm gonna listen to the intro and see if I can guess. Gutterpunk. <laughs> it's a gutterpunk. It's a gutterpunk beat. But that's what it sounds like to me. Mr. Punk, you're people are stealing from you buddy i i really love the beat on this i think loyal Carner is generally really good at beat selection um i think if you're in a more rap headspace one of these days you should give this one another shot because i think it's pretty up your alley as far as these things go yeah i uh <laughs> i it really did make me laugh that i was like ooh, gutter punk <laughs> <laughs> um yeah oh, my, my like friend it. my friend gutter punk. My, my my pal uh yeah no but this is a uh, probably one that i should come back to i liked his delivery in general and i did like the beat so i probably would like it if i gave it another try um mr punk if you're if you're if you're listening to us right now we presuppose no parasocial relationship with you it's just very funny to say that you're our best friend because you responded to us one time oh uh, he and i chat sometimes oh my god he is our best friend <laughs> yeah it looks like it huh um <laughs> parasocial in this bitch we're going full social <laughs> all right next up is julian baker with guthrie uh i was saying this before the uh uh, before we started recording, but uh, Julian Baker's music is a kind of music that it's hard for me to get into, like, slowed down folk rock with, like, a very melancholy atmosphere. Um, yeah. But she got my attention with Boy Genius and then kept it with her 2021 album that I looked up the title of earlier so I wouldn't forget and then immediately forgot anyway. Little Oblivions. Yeah. Um, that album just absolutely kicked my ass as some of, like, the rawest most depressing music I've heard in so long. Like, really, that album is like, oh, do you want somebody to come check on you? Yeah. Um, yeah, and this this one has some of that, too. Um, I, I, I was into this, but I understand why people would not be. 
Yeah, this one, it, it feels pretty anonymous in the, the vein of, like, Angel Olsen, kind of, that their group. I saw that they're, they were playing a show together. It was a... God, what's... Who is, who's everybody? It's, like, that group of just, like, kind of folky ladies who exist in kind of the same vocal range, honestly. Yeah. Um, and also in the same emotional range, and I cannot tell them apart, um, which is kind of sad. But, you know, yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't super enthused by this. Um, I just really like the lyric on the the second the second verse where she says, um, when I hit the bottom, start pulling up floorboards, whatever I get, always need just a little bit more. So I'm catching a ride now to get on the first flight. You told me it scares you the way that I was tonight. And like, it's such an oblique, like suicidal ideation thing mm. that it's so stark like it, it's she she's in this vein a lot and it's very very frightening yeah uh next up is gonna be young fathers with geronimo uh this spoke to me like no young father's song ever has before and it's making me think that maybe i should go back and check them out again because i didn't like their album uh the one with the lipstick Oh, Coco Sugar? Yeah, Coco Sugar. I didn't like it when that one came out. Uh, just I was recommended it a lot, and I just could not get into it. Um, That's really funny, because this is definitely continuing in the vein of Coco Sugar. It sounds like a Coco Sugar B-side. Well, I guess maybe I will uh, maybe I owe it another another shot. I was definitely, yeah. in 2018, even more of a pop head than I am now. Um, so I, I think that maybe this is, like, the, the door opener for me, but I, I sent yeah. you, like, that the gif of the camera rotating around Homer Simpson as he looks up into the rain. Uh, yeah. That's how this makes me feel. Like I, when, he, yeah. when he breaks into the chorus, I was like, holy fuck. I did enjoy this one quite a bit too. I'm just a big fan of the boys. They're my, they're my guys. Um, in general, I prefer their earlier stuff somewhat more. Um, I like how industrial that is. And I think that white men or black men too might be one of the most perfect intersections of pop and industrial that I've ever heard. Huh. Um, it's so good. And there's like some cuts like the opener that's just like the some of the most anthemic like rap R and B stuff that I've heard ever. In like a in like a nine inch nails way or just in the other direction? Like run other in direction. the other direction entirely. Okay. Um I I don't even really know how to describe it. It's just beautiful. And um they're they're a really interesting group of guys. It's some white guy from like Scotland, uh a guy from uh London, and then a guy from Liberia. And so they have like a really interesting set of flows together. Um and I find that on their older stuff they lean a little bit more into the Liberian guys flow, which is very aggressive. Do they all do vocals? Intense. Yeah, all the new oh, vocals. Oh, cool. And I prefer it when he they lean more into him. So I hope that on the next record they put more of him on there. Um, but yeah, they're they're a really great group. I'm excited to see what they come out with next. Been hurting for new stuff. All right, next up is going to be the 1975 with part of the band. Oh my fucking god! Which is home to one of the most insufferable verses I've heard in a while. I have here's, it pulled up right here. Here's the thing: is that they're always like this. They're just yeah. always like this. The the verse, which is verse three, so the first two I was kind of okay, and I was like, I was like, all right, like this is an interesting instrumental. I'm chilling. I really like the comparison sound wise on this to um, Kishibashi. I, it really sounds like Kishibashi, and I like I, I just like my favorite sound wise song from them in a while. I was really vibing with this, and then I do see I do see the Kishibashi. Um, 
He says, I know some vaccinista, tote bag chic baristas. Already, I'm going to kill you. Sitting, yeah, sitting in East on their communista keisters. Okay, it's getting worse. Writing about their ejaculations. I am flushing you down the great big toilet in the sky as we speak. I like my men like I like my coffee. Full of soy milk and so sweet it won't offend anybody. The toilet is getting clogged. While staining the pages of the nation. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, getting my plunger. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uncorked. Oh, there he goes. Goodbye, Maddie. Out into the Thames with you. Shut Good. up. Fuck. Up. Jesus Christ. I heard that while I was cooking and I almost dropped what I was holding. He's so... It, it is so bad. The first verse is also pretty bad. He says, she, uh, she was part of the Air Force. I was part of the band. I always used to bust into her hand. No. I was living my best life, living with my parents, way before the paying penance and verbal propellants, and my cancellations, yeah. Oh. I fell in love with a boy. It was kinda lame. I was Rimbaud, and he was Paul Rulin. I'm like, I just, how, who are you? Am I ironically woke, the butt of my joke, or am I just some post-coke average skinny bloke calling his ego imagination he's it's just he's so with those with all those jizz lines i need a i need a collab between the 1975 and pre pre isaac loss black country new road they could make the the world's the world's worst song about charlie xcx He's, yeah. it's, he's just so gross and unrepentantly unpleasant all the time. Like, I feel like if I talked to this guy yeah. for more than five seconds, I would walk away addicted to nicotine. Yeah, and also, the, we talked about Vampire Weekend being the world's whitest band yeah. last time. And to me, this feels like the world's it's, whitest band. It's just four very, very, like, Seattle well, they're British, uh, so. white guys. Oh, that makes it um, worse. Just like white guys who don't know when to shut up and think that they're the and best like, at everything. It's that flavor of like preppy, really white. Like I say this as somebody who is really white and coming from very preppy country. Like that's where I live. I know these guys. This is the guys that I grew yeah. up around. Except they're all terminally online now. That's so much worse. And they're talking about, oh, 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 I hate you, Maddie Healy. I hope you go away and never come back. I can't wait to review this album and take a shit on it. Anti-Maddie Healy oh podcast. Oh, God, buddy. Soundly. And there was one moment where you texted me and you said, Megan, the sky is falling. I like the new 1975 <laughs> song. And then 30 <laughs> seconds later, you text me and say, never mind, this sucks. I like, tuned into what he was saying and I was like, I can't tolerate this. Um, I think it is worth mentioning that Japanese Breakfast and Jack Antonoff have background vocal credits on this. And guys, he's going to lure you into his sex dungeon basement. Go, just run. Just run. Yeah, go away. Please run. Oh, Lord God. Yeah, that's that's the singles. Uh, Those are our thoughts for this week. Can I close this out with the um with the the one comment on the 1975's uh part of the band on the genius lyrics sheet sure it was only a matter of time before jack antonoff got his poison hands on them <gasps> you heard, other you way heard around pal. Guys, the 1975 have finally sold out yeah, oh my oh, god good lord
What a what a gem what of a band. What a shite band. <laughs> yeah, we we have more artistic integrity than the 1975 in our fingernails. Yep. And uh, anyway, we that's us for this week. Yeah, um, we uh we 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 had quite a quite an adventure this week. I yeah. hope you're ready to get scod even more next week. I'm terrified. Yep, you're gonna die. I hope I do before I have to listen to Ska. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so if you would like to engage a little bit more with us, we have a Twitter. At PressesCast. Yes. Um, we are also on um, Spotify. We put all of our uh, songs that we discuss on the podcast in a one big playlist so you can listen to them and get catch the vibe of Think what we're for saying. Yourself. Yeah, Think exactly. for yourself. Free thinkers. We're a free-thinking um, neoliberal podcast. We are. Uh, stinky, stinky neoliberals. I looked up the word neoliberal. That's a throwback now. It is. Um, That's retro. Yeah. <laughs> retro presses cast. And uh, if you would like to engage more with either of us, my tags are I'm a Megan.atwell on Instagram. Um, my uh, last FM <laughs> is Honeyfern with two Ys. Uh, yeah. I am Saint Soap pretty much everywhere. I'm uh, I'm Saint Soap on Last.fm. I am Saint underscore Soap on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's about all I'm willing to plug there. Yep. Don't want to dox myself entirely. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, have a good week. We will catch you next time with um, the new Black Mini album, which is going to make Megan explode. Yeah, I might die, actually. Yeah, she might be dead the next time you see this. So, um, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. if, send my uh, funeral bill to Jordy Greep. Okay. <laughs> and I'll send your I'll send your ashes to Jeff Rosenstock so he can incorporate them into his next Scott album. Somehow. I will rise from the grave and curse you. <laughs> it's like the screaming pot and everything. The, the, the urn <laughs> yeah. and everything everywhere yeah, all so. at once. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Except with backing brass. Oh, all right, I'm Sophie, and we are still hot. And I'm Megan, and we are still on the presses. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.